Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Emerson Radio Program. Uh, it is uh, 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of uh, 11 of this. I'm a little too loud over here. I don't know why that would be. No, it's not. I can compensate. Don't worry. Please sweeten my mic, Sarah. Please unsweeten my mic. Please unsweeten my mic. Please add just the tiniest dash of quinine to my microphone, please. Uh, it's 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of March. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. This apple's making me tired. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Uh, I am he. Thank you for coming by. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. For your comments, your questions, clarifications, conventions, uh, declarations of vengeance, what, what have ye. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, and uh, so forth. It is Friday. And welcome to day 12. Every... Uh, what is it? What is he says in Animal House? Every every summer the trees are filled with ever underwear. Every fall the toilets explode. Well, you know what? Today the studio is covered in bacon, and all the paper is lavender. Why? Why is the studio covered in bacon, Rick? Emerson? Here's three weird things that are happening in the studio right now that everybody needs to know about. One, uh, the studio is a wash in bacon, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, so they're a little. And someone told me that Susan Reynolds is to thank for this. Uh, I think her and Bridget. It really? Is that true? Okay, so the Bridget is... See, I didn't know. I didn't know where to ascribe uh, thanks and or blame, depending on how one looks at it. Um, so there there are... How do I describe this? Someone has taken the color printer, and they have printed out dozens and dozens and dozens of pieces of paper 
on which there are huge bacon strips, and then a lot of little small uh, printouts of... I don't even know how to describe it. a lot of time with this. Did you see your bacon streamers behind you? Yeah, and that's, yeah, there are streamers all over the studio that are covered in bacon. And then right here, little paper pieces of bacon taped all over, as my mother would say, hell and breakfast. It's all over everywhere. So you can't look anywhere in the studio today without seeing, uh, without seeing bacon. So thank you. Thank you to Bridget and Susan. God bless you. Uh, anyway, that and so, so that's one surreal thing about today. The entire studio is covered in paper bacon. And then the printer ran out of regular white paper sometime yesterday. And so now today, every, everything here at CBS Radio is being printed on lavender paper. Right here. So everything today is on this paper that's, I mean, it's like paper that came straight from Bath and Body Works. So we got that. It looks like it would be scented. It does. It, it, it absolutely looks like that. It looks like something that you would write sort of like a bereavement letter on. In your time of loss. Uh, and then we had uh, one of our listeners, uh, Viking Dan, the courier man, uh, came by today. Uh, it dropped off a couple of things. Uh, one, he dropped off. These are the biggest apples I've ever seen in my life. So he, I, it's I mean. It's exhausting. It's so big. He delivers any number of things, and I think one of them is fruit. And so he dropped off like a bag of apples this for us. bigger than a softball. Seriously. And Sarah actually said that, that, that your body is rejecting the apple because it's too big and helpful. I mean, it's massive. I mean, it's too much apple for one day. They're so, outstanding. They, they really are. They're great. So thank you to Dan. He he came by and he dropped off a, uh, this will mean, this is like a 5% reference. He dropped off a VHS tape, which means I have to stick around and watch it in the conference room either tonight or tomorrow. Um, a, 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 a Star Blazers or Space Cruiser Yamato uh, anime film. Uh, that is, uh, it, it's, anyway, it's a long story. There's, there's this Japanese, this Japanimation show, uh, Star Blazers. And it was a Japanese primetime program that they uh, exported into America. It was like a kid's show, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but it, 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 there was this uh, feature-length film they made of it in Japan a few years ago. Uh, and he dropped it off because he knew I was a Star Blazers fan. Anyway, so I got that to watch this weekend. Fantastic. Lavender paper, pieces of bacon, giant apples, and Star Blazers. It is already the best day ever. This may be the best day of the year. Right now. The rest of the year may be downhill after today. All right, it's uh, Friday. Thank you for coming by. We played The Princess Bride there at the top. We'll have Court and Fatboy in later on in the program to talk about their midnight movie, which is The Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern, tonight at uh, the Baghdad. So more information on that. Aaron Duran will join us in the studio later on today. Uh, he will be bringing with him a 20-sided die, which uh, we will use to give away copies of Into the Wild on DVD. Uh, that'll be later on today. Lisa Desjardins. Uh, will join us from the hill about... Well, there's the whole thing that there's this creepy explosion in Times Square, and then there was a bunch of letters or whatever that showed up in the Capitol about it. Yeah. It's all very strange. That and that woman quit the Obama campaign after calling Hillary Clinton a monster, which is pretty great. I mean, she didn't gild the lily. She didn't say... She called her a monster. She called her a monster. Called her a monster, and now she has resigned. In a newspaper. She didn't say, like, we That's don't awesome. like Hillary, or Hillary's a bad person. No, Hillary's just a monster. Yeah, she didn't say Hillary's unscrupulous, or Hillary is ever so slightly underhanded from time to time. She just flat out said she's a monster. So, I mean, which is true. Let's not delude ourselves about that, but what can you do? Uh, James Roop will join us from uh, Los Angeles uh, as uh, O.J. Simpson's life gets worse and worse by the moment. Let's see, we will be talking to Stu... I, I, I apologize for blowing his name here. It's, it's McCollum? McCalla? Something. Stu from, uh, Stu from South Sea Connections uh, will be joining us today. Because, as I said yesterday, every time that commercial plays, people, uh, they call or they email or they write about it. And be, I know you have questions. He has answers. 
So Stu from South Sea Connections. Can you be totally honest? I mean, can I ask some uncomfortable questions? Well, let me put it this way. We he are, is an advertiser. We, he is one of our many valued advertisers. One of our many, one of our many valued clients. Uh, and uh, and we are happy to do business with him. I'll put it that way. So you just let your let your conscience and to a lesser extent your pocketbook uh, be really your guy. I really am very curious about this place. Well, I know there are many listeners who have questions as well. So and plus you got and let's just let's be honest. Plus you got to know he gets questions like that all the time. You, I mean, right at the seminar that they're doing, I mean, you got to know Is that he, there's a bunch of guys who ask questions that are sort of, you know, that maybe... Well, he's prepared enough to answer questions for a seminar. I, I think that he'll be able to survive us. Yeah, no getting around that. Uh, anyway, so that's coming up later on the day. Clown Watch today. Uh, Clown Watch, we have a Geek Watch on the way. Uh, what else? Uh, we were going to try to play some of Trey Arrow's so-called music. We didn't get to that the last few days. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that today. Uh, I've got the most awkward... I've got the most awkward pause... Maybe in the last five years worth of broadcasting. Do you know what I'm talking about, Tim? No. Did you see the thing from KNBC? Oh, it's gold. Okay, never mind then. It's fantastic. No, I did. Uh, I heard about the Seinfeld thing. Is that what you're talking about? No, I don't know what that is. What's the Seinfeld thing? It's a tease. Okay, never mind. No, this is... Somebody sent this to me yesterday, and I'm amazed that everybody didn't. It is another one of those things that I sort of thought... I don't think it's broken quite into the mainstream yet. I think it happened, and not everybody has sort of seen it yet. So this guy sent it to me. It is a, it's a, a, from a live sports broadcast, which is really when all the most exciting, horrible things happen on the air. It's from a live sports broadcast on KNBC, uh, which is a Los Angeles station. And it's, it's like off, it's off the charts uncomfortable. So we'll play it later, several times. We'll play it later. Uh, what else? Um, let's see. Sarah will recap Lost here in just a few. Uh... Okay, and then some other notes about some other crap. But, uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. Huge coils of wire are stolen in the coup. A garbage can explodes in Vernonia. Barack Obama's advisor killed, uh, who, uh, uh sorry, I called, uh, <laughs> called Hillary an animal. Resigned. He did not kill Hillary. No, he no. did not. You can't kill Hillary. No, <laughs> nothing. Or the grimace. An Arkansas mayor resides after claiming abduction by Satan worshippers. NBC responds to rumors of a new Seinfeld show in the works. And skunks are removed from a house of filth. Excellent. House of filth. Fantastic. All right. Join the days, are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Why? Hello. How are you? Hello, Rick. Uh, hello, Sarah. Happy birthday oh, to thank you. Happy Thanks so much. I found this. And it's all about either you being really old or the Thank you so much. Thanks. So how old are you today, Rick Emerson? You know damn well how old I am. No, don't I be can't coy. Remember. As Morgan Grace told me the other day, don't be coy. What? Thirty-three. Why are you gonna hate? I'm thirty-five. Damn woman. Yes, I'm thirty-five. Uh, Sarah. I remember when you turned. Oh my God. When you turned twenty-nine. Yes, we've been together for what seems like an eternity now. And uh, Tim can remember even longer, uh, further back than that. Probably. You bet. Yeah. Uh, I can remember the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> um, now thirty-five, and it's. Uh, I don't know. It's okay. And we were talking about. First of all, I should say that I'm not birthday phobic. I think a lot of people have somehow. Because I'm not... Especially now that you're in your mid-30s and you're older and wiser a little. Because, you know, 34, you were still in your early, uh, early 30s. Now, now you're part of the Giza demographic. I'm going to kill you all. Yeah. Uh, I just sort of forget about my birthday a lot. And 
It's it, it, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not. It, it, like somebody came by this morning. I know you don't like to talk about your birthday, but happy birthday. No, it was. I forget who it was. It might have been Sarah Wagner what actually. Dave Zinn's birthday. Dave Zinn's birthday is today as well, by the way. So I am merely riding his birthday coattails. Um, but I, I'm not like one of those people that just, I refuse to acknowledge my birthday. I just sort of forget about it a lot. Like it's, and even when I was a kid, my mom would be like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I would sort of have forgotten that it was coming up. Well, you kind of forget about other people's birthdays too. That's exactly the thing. You know, I made this point to Lara last night. By the way, I use this because I forgot my wife's birthday uh, in November, November 23rd, and um, and she said, "This is last night." She's been nagging me, and I really do mean this. She's been nagging me for the long, for days now, for a week. She's like, well, what do you want for your birthday? And I kept going, well, I, I don't know, nothing. I don't know. I, I, I can't think of anything. And so she demanded that I come on the air and ask, you know, the people what what I want because because I because I couldn't come up with anything. And she's like, go on the air and ask guys what you should get for your birthday. And I said, well, all right. And then I kept forgetting to even to do that. Um, and so I did actually pull that out a little bit in my own defense last night that it's not just that I forgot her birthday. I just forget birthdays in general for some reason, uh, including my own. So she has been trying for a week to figure out what to do tonight, like where we should go to dinner or what she should get me. And I just haven't come up with anything because I keep sort of forgetting about it. The one birthday that did, it wasn't turning 30, though, that sort of messed me up. It was 31 because 30 is, I don't know, like you're still sort of on the cusp of whatever. But 31, you're just in your 30s. That was the thing about 31. 35. Well, I think 35 would kind of shake you a little because now you're in your mid to late 30s. There's that, but it's next year, I think, because next year you're sort of officially closer to 40 than to 30. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. So maybe 36. 36 might be. But you know what? Scott Daly's always older than I am. So, you know, so I got that. Uh, let's... And Tim Riley is always younger. No, Tim Riley's eternally youthful. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Tim, yeah. Tim Riley, can't, there's nothing can age Tim Riley. No. I can't uh, eat any more of this apple. That apple is huge. I finished mine. Well, Timmy, do your it. body doesn't reject healthy food, though, Tim. That, that is true. Sarah's body rejects anything that doesn't have a cheese packet. So. It's true. <laughs> uh, anyway. That's so wrong, but true. No, it is. It's abs anyway, so we may do, I know it's not High Concept Thursday. We didn't do High Concept Thursday yesterday. Uh, we may do it today. I may simply ask, what do I want for my birthday? Uh, because I just, and I don't, I'm not trying to sound lame. I just don't, uh, well, we've talked about this before. I think, A, because I'm kind of, because I'm a guy, and B, because we don't have kids, and so maybe I have, you know, a little bit more disposable income in some ways than some people. If there's something I want, I typically have just purchased it. Mm. If there's a game I want, I bought it. If there's a movie I want, I got it. If there's a, you know, whatever, I just, uh, you know, if, if there's something I'm really wanting, unless it's like a big ticket item, I've already, I went out and picked it up, and it's kind of already in my possession. So I can't really think of... Now, it just seems like you just got a big present. Like with your scale. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, that was for Valentine's Day, though. So, mm -hmm. why don't you go to Papa Hayden's for dessert? What is Papa Hayden's? It's on 23rd. 23rd? Oh, on Northwest 23rd? Yeah, the best desserts anywhere. All right. Oh, you should go to Noho's. Now, is it, are we talking for dinner or for dessert? For dinner. Noho's is okay. I always feel like I don't do justice to it, though. Like, Noho's has some... Do you ever do this? I haven't been there forever. The Korean pan fried chicken is so awesome. Did you ever go to, like, a Mongolian grill? You know, like one of those, you know, like a like a build-your-own uh, Asian place? Uh, not a build-your-own Asian, but you know what I mean. Like, a, like Asian... <laughs> build-your-own Asian place. But no, like one of those Asian places where it's like it's like a buffet sort of. But did you ever notice this? That like you're paying for presumably the huge all you can put into the bowl or whatever. But they add some secret ingredient to where you get full about halfway through. It's like they it's like they sprinkle something on the food at those places. So you get about three bites in, you're like that's it, I'm full. Um, that's how I am at Nohos for some reason. Nohos is good, but I get like I get like half my entree down and I'm it's I'm done. So I don't know what it is. There's mm. something about that food that I find uniquely filling. It's very good, but like it's me with very filling. 
Yeah, exactly. So as opposed to junk food, which I can just put away all day. I know I can eat an entire box of macaroni and cheese and be okay. Yeah. And so as far as dinner, I always just lapse it because I am lame. I just always lapse into the same. I have the same three restaurants I just go to all the time. So uh, I just end up shoveling pasta into my head because that's I, what I, I wish eat. that you were of the going out persuasion because it's fun to have your birthday on a Friday. I guess. So it's not going to be that way, you know, for another seven years. No, I already I avoided. Forty-two. Thanks. Thanks so much. I already avoided going out with other people tonight, though. She's like, well, who should we invite it for your birthday? And I said, it's my birthday. I'm saying no one. So I, would, I managed to avoid human contact with anybody but my wife this evening. So maybe that is the gift. I got the gift of solitude. Got the gift of being left alone, Sarah. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, oh, Lara. She's probably like, oh, it's going to be a fun <laughs> social event. And then you're like, oh, I just want to hang out with you. <laughs> I wouldn't see, but wouldn't you think that a wife would take that as a compliment? Baby, I just want to spend time with you. I don't need anybody maybe else. Maybe on any night but a Friday night. I suppose. <laughs> um, maybe. Well, whatever. Are you guys um, going out? So are you going out to dinner? Uh, yeah, we're probably going to go out to dinner. And then she actually has to get up at like 5 in the morning tomorrow to go to work. Oh. So she will probably not go to the Princess Bride tonight. Uh, so I will probably go. To, she normally will, but I think I'm going to go by myself uh, to the midnight movie because yeah, she has to she has to get up at like at like five to go take care of the uh, the crazy. So that's not going to work. All right, it's a five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. God, it's eleven twenty already. Um, all right, so do you want, let, let's do this, Sarah. Uh, let us let us have a little lost discussion here. Lost last night. Now I know you you're kind of shrugging and saying wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was a good episode. It was kind of. Um, it was basically focusing because it seems like each week they kind of pick a character and they kind of build around that character. And this one was a flashback, not a flash forward, which has been different. And it was all focusing on Juliet, who's the blonde other that Jack brought back. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So it's all about her and kind of how she got to where she was and basically how Ben's obsessed with her. Ben's the head guy on the island. How he's obsessed with her and basically, um, like, would never let her leave him. And she and he ended up killing the guy that she was having an affair with and blah, blah, blah. It just, it, it just went on and on. It was interesting. Not the best. Episode, Unresolved questions, issues. Not really. The end was kind of strange. Let's do. Let's do this before we do anything. Let's give the phone numbers. Five. If you watched Lost last night, this is where Sarah steps like in as the proxy for. Well, everybody. no. Yeah, I'd like to hear what other people thought about it because I'm not really sure exactly what's going on there. As part of our uh, relentless pandering to our key demographic, we now discuss Lost every Friday because somebody has to, and I don't watch it. So it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three. Uh, 733-2970, 503-733-2970, if uh, you are a lost uh, enthusiast. In the meantime, uh, let's get this call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to share that uh, I got a Wii for my birthday. You did. You, you you are going to get one, or you did get one? No, I got one in August. Yeah, the, the Wii is pretty great, my wife. <laughs> no, the Wii is The Wii is pretty fantastic. Uh, my wife... Lara has been agitating uh, to get one of those. And here's the thing about the Wii. I'm pretty sure that they're going to be putting out, what is it, like some like the Force Unleashed or whatever? It's like where you can full on, yeah, it's like a Jedi Academy. And yeah. you use the Wii remote as a lightsaber. As a lightsaber. How badass is Wing that? Around. Oh, man. The Wii, is, cool. the Wii is pretty great, uh, especially if you get Aaron and I in the same room. We're just, no, just two, and I don't mean any disrespect to Aaron, but we're both kind of out of shape. Uh, two sort of, <laughs> I mean, really, let's, who are we fooling? I mean, it's not like Aaron and I are Olympiads. I mean, let's, let's, can we just call it what it is? And no. so, I mean, I'm, I'm putting myself in that with him. I mean, Aaron and I are both, uh, we're both men trying to get in shape. Not really there yet. Um, but you put us in there, and we're playing Wii Sports as though they're the real thing. And we're full on, like, trash talking and, like, uh, you know, like, I'll, I'll score something on Wii Tennis. And I'm, like, throwing down the controller, like, ugh, Brooklyn! And, like, trying to represent and what it's just, it's just retarded. So. All right. All right. Thank oh, you, sir. Yes, Sarah. Oh. Go yes, ahead. Sir. Oh, huh. 
<laughs> I was going to say, we saw Jack and Juliet kiss last night. I know. That was pretty that cool. That was cool. I thought, I keep forgetting because I was like, oh, they've kissed before, but they didn't because he kissed I Kate when they were looking for the so, radio yeah. tower. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's something always interrupted before. Yeah. Now, that was a good part. I don't know. What did you think? Did you like it? I liked it. Not quite as much as last week's, but last week's was insane. Yeah, I know. I guess, like, compared to last week's, like, it, it, you know, it was, this one was just going to suck regardless because we can't really compare to it. All right. It was just kind of there, yeah. Thank yeah. you, sir. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Happy Friday. Hello, Rick, Sarah, Hello, and Tim. Uh, talk about loss a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, who do you think's on the boat? Who do you think Ben has on the boat? I don't know, because he's like, you might want to sit down for this. I still think maybe that whole, like, you know, uh, parallel universes and the time travel. I'm thinking maybe Saeed's his man on the boat. Maybe. I was thinking it was Michael. Me too, because it says uh, next week, you know, uh, an old cast member comes back and you kind of see the shadow come in. Maybe it is Michael. Whoa! I hate Michael so much. <laughs> I want to, I want to like so. hack your cell phone and make the ringtone like what him yelling Walt. Oh god. <laughs> All, right. All right, thanks a lot. Happy Thank Friday, you. guys. Thank you, sir. Happy Friday. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Uh, I just calling about Lost. I was just calling. Uh, don't you love how the great writing um, when Kate was. Uh, Tracking the uh, the others are the, uh, the people that were from the boat, and she said Juliet ran through here, and she uh, was following them, and they're about a half an hour in front of her, and she could tell that just from their footsteps. Yeah, that's it, kind of it, bizarre how she's so good at tracking. Uh, yeah, how she where where'd she get her degree in <laughs> tracking? Excuse me. Um, sometimes there's some lazy writing going on there, but uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good episode. Worth that's watching. Really- I, I agree with the lazy writing thing, especially since when they were trying to find, you know, that place to, whatever that place was called when they were trying to, you know, stop the gas from leaking or whatever. And uh, Juliet's the only one who knows where it is, and Jack was the one leading the way the entire time. That was annoying me. I'm like, right. why is Jack leading the way? He doesn't know where he's going. Nope, not at all. Sometimes uh, you, got, you pay attention. Those things can, can really irritate you watching it, but good show overall. All right. totally. Thank you, sir. I've had to do that, by the way, a few times with Dexter, where they just, they make these sort of intuitive leaps or they just realize things like way faster than they normally would in the real life. Uh, it, like I'm about, I have two episodes left in season two. Uh, I watched one more, so now I'm four down. All right, so I yes. One yesterday. And uh, I just finished episode ten last night, so I am going to finish season two this weekend. But there are a couple of those moments where they sort of they become super cops, mm-hmm. where they find the one tiny piece of well, evidence. I still don't buy that the sister is that good of a cop. She's just this kind of annoying. Like she's always has that like weird side smile, and she's like, "Let me tell you about this." You know what it is about her? It's her mouth. She's yeah. got, a, and I mean physically, her mouth is weird. She's got a weird looking mouth. Do you remember her from the Exorcism of Emily Rose? Yes, I do. Oh. I do. Um, boy, you know, she, what a, I don't see how that show, I almost want to watch Dexter on CBS now to see how they do it, because she is relentlessly profane, even more so in the second season. They, they've, they figured out that there's some funny there. She's all kinds of crazy the second season. She's all, like, humping everything, and then she's, I know, uh, I just, I watched that episode, I just did. And every time she opens her mouth, it's like this great sort of spewing vulgarities, and I can't even imagine how that show looks on CBS. Mm-hmm. I almost want to watch it just so I can sort of be, you know, horrified Didn't by it. did you say that they showed that, the blood room on? Yeah. I can't believe that they would show that on TV. Well, you know, Sarah, as long as you're not showing boobies, oh, that's really the... forbid. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's up, Rick? What's up? I had a suggestion for your birthday present. Yes. You got to get the Wii, like that guy said. They're coming out with uh, Ghostbusters. You get a proton pack. Really? Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Don't cross the stream, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. Ah, uh, the proton pack. Also... Yes. What I would like for my birthday is a bag of information. Anybody. Okay. 
Yeah, we'll get right on that. Welcome, welcome to Tradio. I like how he was just openly soliciting for someone to give him narcotics. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, I was going to say that uh, for my uh, birthday, my wife gave me a Harley. Really? Oh. Yeah. Now, did your wife give you the Harley with your own money? Uh, like, did that go on your credit card and it, you know, and then it was somehow able to be passed off as her gift to you? Well, no, because we don't have any bills. Okay, but I mean, is this was this paid with uh, paid for with her own money? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not saying you should. I'm just always curious about that because that, like, that's why I'm sort of a. Let me just. Here's the thing. That's why uh, if I do, you know, like with pro flowers or whatever, like uh, if I. If I send pro flowers or something or anything like that to my wife, it's like I almost I almost always feel compelled to find like to find some way to like pay for it without using like our joint credit card or whatever you know like our because then it's like then you're just buying her something with her own money and then I always feel like a tool when I do that. Hi, honey, I bought you this four thousand dollar thing that you will now have to help me pay for. Happy birthday! So yeah, well, yeah, it, it's kind of cool though because you know I just told her what I wanted and it's a custom bike and she just went out and. Had somebody build it for me. Now, how much does a custom-built Harley cost? Mine was like forty-eight thousand. Jesus. Jeez. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's exact. That's almost exactly the same amount that that assembled back backyard playground was that Dennis's wife wants him to get for the kid. Forty-eight thousand dollars. Yeah, like one, like a, it's a big plastic I it playground. Five thousand dollars. No, no, it's forty-eight thousand dollars. Wow. How is that possible? Dennis, did I not tell you this? So Dennis, no, Dennis, I didn't think it was that much. Dennis Pittenbarger corners me in the hallway the other day. And this is, sir, do you have any children? Uh, yeah, yeah that he's older. Okay, all right. So this is so here's motivation maybe to not have any more young ones in case you, if you didn't already need it. So Dennis corners me in the hallway and he's like, "You want to see what Brandy wants me to buy the kid?" And so he opens this catalog and it's sort of like it's not IKEA, but it's like one of those kind of companies. And it's a backyard place that it looks kind of like what, like a scaled down one of those McDonald Land playgrounds. And he goes, "Yeah, Brandy wants me to buy this for the kid. I guess how much it is?" And I said, "I don't know, a few grand." And he shows it to me, fully assembled, forty-two thousand dollars. Wow. So there you go. So uh, hey, uh, you know, uh, there's a if you put me on back hold and take me off the air, I'll give you a name of a website that you can go to. You can get your own bike, and it won't cost you that much. It's like a couple grand. Are you talking about with like a, like a motorcycle? Uh, it's classified as a scooter, so the days you don't want to ride your bike, just ride that. You're I don't getting think... closer to your midlife crisis. I shut up. <laughs> That's exactly what I need. Is it coming red? Um, why don't you, if you get a chance, just email me that, sir. Oh, will do. All right, thank you. Okay, right, there you go. Yeah, I didn't mean so to allude to that guy's having a midlife crisis, but you on a motorcycle <laughs> would look like a midlife crisis. I'm I can't. Sorry. You know, if you ever see I... me on a motorcycle, I want you to shoot me. Okay? Should I laugh and then shoot you? No, okay. yeah, sir, <laughs> laugh as you're standing over my congealing blood. Really, honestly, let's you and I have an agreement right now that if you ever see me pull up, what do you do? I rode my hog to work. I want you to kill me. <laughs> I want you to put a bullet in the back of my head. Uh, let's do these, then we'll break, and we'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, Sarah. Yes. Uh, with your, uh, I heard you talking about your, uh, you know, possibility of who's on the boat and what's going on. What about, and I told to my wife the other day, it's going to be Walt. You think it will be Walt? Because now he's like this freakish man-child don't boy. You mean, don't you yeah, mean Walt? All the time travel and space time continuity and you know, all that crap. It's going to be Walt. That could be. Oh, God. I just hope they don't Wouldn't bring that Michael. Weird. That would be uh, weird. Because when he was standing over the grave after um, Ben shot Locke and he was just like this. All of a sudden, he was like a little man. It was kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Thank yeah. you, sir. Thanks. All right. Final call. Then we'll break. Hi. You're... Hey. How's it going? Hi. Yeah. Um, you really should get the weed for your birthday. But the Force Unleashed is maybe not necessarily the best idea because 
it's got way less functionality than it does in the other systems that it appears on. Now, how is that? But I mean, but the other systems, you're having to use the regular controller. I think the argument for the Wii Force Unleashed is that you can use that uh, that Wiimote thing as like a lightsaber. Yeah, but um, on the other systems, the computer actually thinks. It has um, some kind of new AI system, right. and, the, uh, and it has a new um, environment system that uh, is supposed to be completely revolutionary. But they don't have any of that on the Wii system. So now, what other platforms is the Force Unleashed for? Uh, 360 and PC, or um, PlayStation 3. Unfortunately, not for the PC, as far as I'm, as far as I know. All right. Well, you know, I got to say, really honestly, I haven't played a PC game in a long time. I really, once I got the Xbox, I moved totally off the PC and that stuff. But I, uh, all right, okay, I'll look into it then. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, you you don't have a Wii? I'd, I'd expect that you would already have no, one. No, Lara really wants one. Lara's kind of an, a Nintendo supporter from way back. Uh, she has she has strong allegiance to the Nintendo. She had, obviously, the NES. She had the Super Nintendo. Uh, her uh, And uh, a lot of her friends have the Wii. We visited when she was in Provo. We uh, visited her uncle. He has the Wii. She's totally sold on that. And she's always been a Nintendo fan, so she kind of is is pushing for. But it, right now, is that, right now, neither of us really has. I mean, we don't have tons of free time just because she works twelve hour days, and uh, you know, whatever. And it's just, I think, I think we're kind of waiting on it to see if we really do want one. I, uh, it's, it's, you know, because it's pricey. I mean, even if you even if you don't have kids, it's kind of pricey to buy. So I mean, we'll probably do it at some point. But I plus the other thing is. I think we don't want to get hosed by, by buying a Wii and then immediately they're going to put out some upgrade for it. So I think we're going to hang back a little bit and make sure that Nintendo's not going to shaft yeah. us by, uh, you know, by, by immediately putting out like the Wii Extreme or something next month that we have to get. All right, we'll take a break here. Come back. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Tim Riley at noon. <clears throat> Pardon me. Later on, Jim Roop. Aaron Duran. Uh, Stu from South Seas Connection. And uh, your phone call. Stay there. Sir. Well, all right. <laughs> Would you like to tell the people what happened during the break? How to explain what just happened. <laughs> uh, well, you'll be able to see it at uh, 970.am pretty soon, I think. So, as you may or may not know, today is, is in fact my birthday. So I came into the studio today, and the studio is covered with pieces of paper bacon everywhere. Bacon streamers, bacon signs, bacon cards, bacon placemats. Um... So then I walked out, I walked out into the hallway. And what was the first thing you saw? I walked out into the hallway and uh, a couple of things, and then we'll uh, we'll welcome Lisa Desjardins to the program. But I walked out into the hallway, and there is this photo of me. Well, two things. One, as we have discussed many, many times, Sarah, Tim, myself, we're not a hugging kind of people. We typically, you know, we, we hug from afar. We hug mentally on this program. We hug with our words. We hug, that's exactly what it is. Uh, we this sort of, you know, it's an implied hug with us. Uh, we don't typically embrace other people or each other ever. Uh, now, now, that's part A. Part B is this. The worst photo of me ever taken <laughs> is the one uh, that they used when they were... Um, when they were doing my ill-fated uh, syndicated show some years ago, uh, this guy picked the sing. After I told him, like, you know, use any photograph but this one. He, of course, <laughs> used that one. And that's the photograph that he put everywhere in every trade publication. And your hands, are, your hair is blowing and your hands are splayed. And I look all greasy and I've got a bad ponytail. And it's just it's terrible. It's the worst photo. I look like the sensitive ponytail guy from Singles. And Andy, you that guy, that's Andy. totally what I look like. So that's the worst photo of me ever taken. So, A, I don't like to hug. B, that's a bad photo of me. 
So I walked out into the into the hallway during the break about five minutes ago. Uh, Bridget and Cheryl and Susan have taken that photograph, and they have uh, they've altered it. We did this thing called Horns Across the Hawthorne a couple years back. They've changed this. They they put up signs everywhere with that photo that said "Hugs Across the Hallway," and there was a line of literally every single person from upstairs was in a line of down the hallway, and I had to do this gauntlet of hugs during the break. I had to hug... And only if people hugged you would they get a, a special I Hugged Rick Emerson. So, yeah, and so Bridget also made these stickers that say, I hugged Rick Emerson today, like an I gave blood. a picture of it on it. It's so great. I'm going to totally wear this out tonight. It's like, it's, like the I, it's like the I voted sticker. So there was a gauntlet of like 35 people that I had to hug in the hallway just now. Uh, and so And apparently it's not over. Apparently my... My day of fun has just started. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey, happy birthday. Thanks. Big hug from Washington. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much. Uh, this Did really it, is the weirdest... I've never met in person because I am, I am a hugger. Yeah, this is... I have to say, this really is the weirdest job and the weirdest uh, slash greatest <laughs> group of people I've ever worked with. I mean, really, the coworkers, and I know that radio maybe attracts people who are a little unconventional, just sort of across the board. But yeah. I have to say this: I've worked at, uh, I've worked in radio for Jesus God. Is this possible? Is it possible that I had been in radio for over twenty years at this point? Really? God, no, I'm I thought old. you got him when you were sixteen. Fourteen. 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 Wow. Wow, you, what, you, you were like one of those guys that lied about your age to, so you could join up the troops. I the troops. <laughs> totally, totally exactly. How old are you? Eighteen. Uh, um, <laughs> now I, I wasn't a paid employee at fourteen, but at fourteen I started. There was a radio station near my house, and I started hanging out and just bothering the DJ. Wow. And um, it, it, this was back when there was no automation; everything was done manually. I mean, this is not to be the deluxe story of my life, but I, but I hung out for a long time and. Eventually, the deal was that I would sort of clean the studio for him and, like, refill his coffee, and in exchange, he would let me, like, segue records and whatever occasionally. And then as soon as I was old enough to get, like, a, you know, a permit, which is, I guess, what, 15, 15 and a half, whatever it was, and I, I, you know, I was able to land my way into, like, a bad weekend, you know, like a bad part-time gig. And anyway, so, so yes, I, I have been in this stupid industry for 20 years now. Um, what was I saying? But it, it, so radio does attract all, all kinds of people. Um, but this really here, CBS Portland, really no lie, is 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 really the most bizarre yet yet greatest group of people that I've ever worked with, because they do things like covering the studio in pieces of paper bacon. So anyway, <laughs> uh, well, happy Friday to you. How how are you? How are things on your end? Birthday, I'm I'm good. I have. I have an update from our uh, vice presidential conversation yesterday. Uh, this is where we were discussing the last sitting vice president to not run for office. I'm, hap I'm happy to say I was correct that um, Spiro Agnew was, was the last sitting, president who, sitting vice president who had never run for president. I, I was thinking in my head it might be Nelson Rockefeller, but I, I knew he had run for president. I just couldn't remember if it was after he served under Ford. And, in fact, it wasn't. So Nelson Rockefeller... When he was vice president under Ford, uh, he did not run for president after that. So he kind of counts. But then you go back to my favorite footnote in history that I just found, Albin Barkley, Truman's vice president. How about that? And so the, the last guy who, for his own reasons, not because he was actually in trouble with the law, the last vice president who did not run for president at any time at all, Albin Barkley under under Truman. So they, because there are all kinds of reasons. Spiro Agnew is a uh, yes. – 
He was busy with other things. He did not really have the option so much. His, his focus was elsewhere yeah. at that point. Um, the funny thing is, whenever we talk about Sparrow Agnew, for some reason, I think it's because of, I think it's because of something that Hunter Thompson once said, some some phrase he once used. And I always, whenever I picture Spiro Agnew, and many people probably don't do that anymore. Um, I just picture him sitting behind a desk, and on the desk is like one of those huge Monopoly bags of money, which is like the big satchel with a dollar sign in the front of it. I don't know why. Anyway. Well, you'll be happy to know that they actually have uh, busts of every vice president who's ever served the country in and around the Senate. And it just happens that uh, there's, a, there's a huge statue of Ben Franklin at, at one of the staircases that we use the most to go from uh, where my office, where the press is to where the Senate is. We just go down this one big staircase. There's Ben Franklin, and then right on his left, Spiro Agnew. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. That's a, that's a juxtaposition that's completely ludicrous. Yes, it's fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, that's fantastic. And there's a, and uh, so this is uh, now this is Ben Franklin. Now are there? Did you say this is bust of just what is it? President no, and vice president? Are there now? Are there busts of the, of all the presidents somewhere? Oh. You know, it's the vice presidents because they're the president of the Senate. Oh, I okay, all right. Oh, it's so in the Senate building. That makes sense. Okay, all right. Uh, so, uh, okay, well, and, come. I mean, and actually, you go around the corner. There's, uh, there, Nixon is around the corner, and you know, <laughs> I, I, may, I was so excited when I figured out that you know, uh, actually, President Ford's casket had it, it really didn't pass that many busts. It passed like four, and of those, it, he ended up, he did pass Richard Nixon's <laughs> bust, and then Spiro Agnew. Did, did, the, did the Richard Nixon, did the bust's eyes glow red for a moment? <laughs> I, think, I think, well, you know, they kept all of us out of there, so uh, it's hard to say. It's, I, I suspect it would make perfect sense, too, if you were, like, sort of poking around the Richard Nixon bust. If there's, you know, that's probably the bust where, like, you tilt the head backward like a Pez thing, and there's a secret, <laughs> there's a secret button inside that launches, like, a, a first strike against somebody. It actually it looks exactly like uh, a Richard Nixon face would on South Park, <laughs> with, with the jaw just, you know, he is, up, up and down. He like, <laughs> like. Sort of like Hall of Presidents meets Terry Gilliam. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he really is. Uh, he did look like one of those political caricatures, like even in real life. It's true. He just he was just all weird, odd angles and wrinkles. You know what I mean? You know, and, and have you ever thought that Tommy Lee Jones bears something of a resemblance to Richard Nixon? Ooh, wow. Um, you look at next time. If, no. If you watch No Country for Old Men, uh, look I have at not yet. You look at Tommy Lee Jones. If you, if you kind of squint a little, you can sort of see certainly more than Anthony Hopkins did. But I feel like it, his face is wider. Nixon's was longer. Maybe, but it, they both do have faces where it's just all crags. It's like uh, faces that look like a strip mined Appalachian mountain. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, um, so Albin Barkley, people. Albin Barkley. And the thing is, I'm going to file that away, and then I'll impress my wife later when we're watching Jeopardy at some point. Right. And I'll be able to kick that out, and she'll look at me, and she'll say, you're so smart. And I'll say, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, a couple things. First of all, before we move on to this, this Times Square thing, let's... Um, so what about this, this? There was this Obama staffer that called Hillary Clinton, quote, a monster. Monster, yes. Now, she says it was she says it was supposed to be off the record, and I don't, I, I don't know if that's true or not. He, well... We, I think it's, we pretty clearly know the, the deal on this. Uh, what she said was it was, it was, uh, her name's Samantha Powers. I don't know if that ma matters so much, but she's basically a foreign, especially like foreign policy aide to Obama. She's been working with him for more than a year. But she essentially said, uh, you know, she's talking about the tactics the Clinton campaign uses. And then she said, she's a monster. That's off the record. <laughs> In that order. Oh, but do you have to say... It's always a problem. Now, do you have to say that's off the record first? 
Absolutely. Well, see, I, I, I don't know. I am, I'm not Ben Bradley, sister. I don't know how these things work. <laughs> it's really, it's sort of like a contract deal. And when you say, when you say it, there has to be almost recognition from the journalists that they're accepting. Okay, we're going off the record now, and it can happen very quickly. But you can't say this is off the record. Blah, 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 blah. You have you have to say, all right, this is off the record. Pause. Journalist looks at you and says, okay, then you go. So what are the what are the different levels here? There is. Pardon me, there's off. Let me ask you this. When I press this cough button, can you still hear me cough? Yes. Right yeah. there? Yeah. This is the same problem we've always had because, like, when my microphone's off and you can hear me talking. Oh, that's weird. All right. It's because it's the <laughs> phone button. This is supposed to be fixed, like, remember? All right, let's say uh, at some point we'll have Matt Green uh, look into this. Awesome. Um, anywho. Green, uh, yes. So what are the, the the different levels here? There's off the record, and then there is background. There's deep background. And then background. So deep background. What are the what are the differences? Well, first of all, I think these terms only apply in Washington. There's very few places where there's such uh, agreed upon definitions of these terms. Most places, people say off the record or background. They think they all mean the same thing, which which makes sense. It's sort of a bizarre Washington language that we have. Off the record means you did not hear it. You cannot use it. You can't attribute it. The only re- the only way you use this is to ask other people questions. So it's sort of a uh, a starting point. Yeah, it's a starting point exactly. You know, you can say I know this is happening, but you've got to get the information essentially from two other sources. Though the All truth right. is that's changing now in Washington, and off the record is kind of it's now considered one source. So I I, I kind of question that, but but that's that's the way it's done. You didn't hear it. You got to get it confirmed by at least another right. source. Okay. Now on on deep background. Background and deep background are very similar. Essentially, it means you can you can use the information, but you can't use the person's name, and you you sort of attribute it to some very vague sounding thing like a congressional staff staffer or uh, an official close to the negotiations. The difference between deep background and background is how vague it is. Deep background is very very vague. You know, say a, a congressional staffer might be considered deep background, or um, a Republican staffer even even more vague and it, background and it, would be uh you know someone working in uh senator Pelo- in uh you know pelosi's office so it is the level to which it is obscured that's exactly right all right um re- just re- back on this obama thing for just a second so they so this woman calls hillary clinton a monster the obama campaign boots her and then yeah. the clinton campaign of course she wastes. Resigned, who knows yeah but they, yeah she's gone they but they the clinton campaign wastes no time coming out and finger pointing and saying this is the same kind of dirty tricks and same old whatever and they they use they referenced something which, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily think is like the smartest thing in the world. They compared the Obama campaign to Ken Starr. They're saying he's using Ken Starr-style tactics. And I don't really know that the phrase Ken Starr is something that I would be bringing up at this point if I were the Clintons. You have a point there, exactly. Although what she's doing, I think what's going on is she's really trying to get her supporters activated because they're so excited right now. And the truth is, her supporters, we see this in polls, her supporters are really hating on Obama now. You know, they many more of her supporters would vote for McCain than his would. You know, they're saying no, it's Hillary or McCain. We don't Obama, no, no way. And and she's kind of playing up on that and saying, Look, we were persecuted by Ken Starr and this is the same stuff. But of course it's incredibly different. Then that remark, the Ken Starr comparison, did not come from this uh she's a monster remark. That was yesterday before before this uh aide said that. What Hillary Clinton was talking about was Barack Obama's uh, repeated calls that she release her tax ah, tax yes. forms, and she said this this is ridiculous. He's like Ken Starr. Well, 
No, you know, it, it's probably it's probably fair to say you haven't released your tax forms, and why haven't you done it? Maybe he's coming on a little too strong, but that that's really different than actually um, an, an an investigation that seemed to drag on forever, where where you were questioned. Uh, at every turn. However, that investigation, of course, it came from actual events itself, too, and that's a whole other topic. But it really it really is a perfect example of uh, the Clinton campaign kind of using buzzwords and sort of trying to uh, really change the shape of issues altogether. It's, it's, they're making, it's not about my tax forms. It's about Ken Starr, who, by the way, was my high school graduation speaker. No. Yes. Fantastic. It was it was before he was it was before he was famous. It was really bizarre that uh we picked him. I, I remember him being very boring. I only had uh I only had then speaker of the house Tom Foley, I think. Oh, I think that's you, just, you win, you win. Yeah. I uh, I was hard wins on if that. only I'd had Bob Packwood. That would have been much more interesting. <laughs> but um Ken Starr Ken Starr who was also uh, I do believe the model for the uh, uh, the Inquisitor guy in that, uh, I'll see, now I'm completely blank. What was that movie about the Marquis de Sade that had Jeffrey Rush? You know what I'm talking about with Kate Winslet? It had didn't have the one-word title. Was it called uh, Zig 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 uh, something. Uh, never mind. You know what it is? This is. I tried to make a pop culture reference, and I just whiffed it at every turn there. Um, uh, it was, it was, you know, it's always good to Quills. 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 Uh, Quills was the movie about, I believe, about the Marquis de Sade, and it was the guy who eventually puts him in jail or whatever. And I know that the director said he was, that guy was modeled on Ken Starr. Really? Um, yes. I thought, I would have thought maybe, oh, like Javert from Les Miserables might have been a more. No, I, I, I think, and in fact, I think they did go so far as to put like little, little, uh, little round, like wire rimmed glasses on him. <laughs> and the guy said on the commentary at some point, he said that was his, because that was in like 99, 2000. And I think he said that was like a direct, right. that was a direct boot on Ken Starr. Um, just one real brief question that I will do the Times Square thing, and I, I know you got to got to skedaddle. Got, you've got birthday doings, man. I, it's true. How? Just this is probably maybe a big can of worms question, but you've got Hillary and and uh, and Barack are just going at each other, just hammering tongs, and it's only going to get worse. And they really, it's like a Godzilla versus Mothra thing, and it just stop. Stomping around, just really, uh, really going at each other. To what extent? Because I don't really know, sometimes know how the party machinations work. We were talking about Howard Dean yesterday, and and he's only you know one one part of this equation, obviously. But to what extent do the Hillary and and Barack campaigns become so big and just locked in this struggle that? What am I trying to say? Is to what extent is the party at some point not going to be able to step in and separate them and, and get them to calm down? Do you know what I mean? Are they are, to use a boxing term? Yes. I mean, um, you know, it, it, you know, if you if you compare it to a fight or a TV show or anything fictional, it seems like we're very close to that point. But but the truth is that for for all of you know everyone waxing poetic about a brokered convention and how tight this is and how impossible it's going to be to resolve the truth is they know at the at, at the end of the day as people like to say that it is in that that one of them is going to have to drop out before the convention now that that may not there is i'm giving 30 percent chance that we'll have a, a convention fight i think 70 percent you got to say these guys and this is the way they work it that that somebody does drop out I, you know i i think right now that this is as tight and as tough as it's going to be for this next let's say a month and a half two months but after that, I think I think someone's going to read some writing on the wall. But we don't quite know who yet. Fair enough. Um, real quickly, they have discounted, I have, or have they, these letters 
uh, that arrived. Yeah, how weird is that? Uh, talking about the, there's a Times Square bomb and some letters arrived, some photos saying we did it, and there's a, but they've already now said that they don't think that it's unrelated. It's, it's related. a false claim. The deal is it was a photo. It was like a, it was almost, you know, those Christmas card photo type things. Uh-huh. It was a photo of a guy standing next to that booth in Times Square. It said, Happy New Year. We did it. And they arrived in congressional offices yesterday. Turns out this guy from Los Angeles just sent that to Democrats because he was so excited that Democrats were in power. So, oh. <laughs> hey, we did it. And <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> and I'm standing near this Army Recruiting Center because I, I want to sort of make a nod toward Iraq and how I want you all to end the Iraq war. Uh, and and then next thing he knows, SWAT team. So I, I don't know if SWAT teams are at his house, but uh, that's the most unfortunate. they got there pretty quick. Boy, that that is just, so, that is all the bad planets lining up for you if you're that guy. So, can you imagine that coincidence? The, the, the one, how, I mean, how many things have been bombed in the U.S. this year? One. Yeah. In the last year, essentially. You know, and, and you... you Show a photo of yourself next to it and send it to Congress on the day that it explodes. <laughs> and it says we did it. And it says we did it. Wow. What? That's uh, that is uh, that is as uh, Rob Lowe would say in Westing. That is uh, that is Aristotelian almost in its in its coincidence. <laughs> All right. Uh, big hey, plans. Happy birthday. Big plans for your weekend. Um. Uh. Oh, you're gonna make fun of us. We're we're going on a church retreat. In the mountain, <laughs> the mountains. But again, we go to a really cool. Uh, not that not that I'm uh, being. Is raised. it a rock and roll church? It's a cool uh, African American church, so it's cool. It's, oh, not, right. it's not all weird and you know. It's it's, it's not it's not full of pasty lame people. Just exactly. saying. All right, enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you uh, next week sometime. Okay, done. Thank you, Lisa. All right. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Wonderful. She sounds like the hippest lady. She really does. I hope we get to meet her someday. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Now I'm afraid to go out in the hall. God only knows it's waiting out for me now. Oh, I'm sure you're fine. I just know it's going to be clowns. This is the most fun the office people have had in a long time. It's true. Well, we bring joy to people, Tim. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You're Tim, the hugging isn't enough? <laughs> so the hugging was more than you enough. You want clowns now? <laughs> Only if I get to hug them. Clown hugs. <laughs> Ooh, it's a clown hug. Back after this. Death Jam tells you who I am. The enemy's public. They really give a damn. Stroke Island. Where I got a wildin'. That's the reason. They're claiming that I'm violent. Never silent. No, don't get dumb. No, claiming. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Please take down the Nazi flag. That was a lot next to the Fremont Bridge during rush hour this morning. A balloon with a Nazi flag bearing the swastika and floating next to the bridge. Is this a different Nazi flag? That's yeah, a different one. Mm-hmm. I hate There's Oregon Nazis. There's a Nazi flag. It might be the same person doing all this. Uh, it took police an hour to get it down. They believe it's connected to the earlier Nazi flag tigered exhibitions. Uh, the roughly four-foot balloon with a large red and white flag was tied to a line that was connected to a rock as an anchor. So somebody either dropped the rock into the Willamette River from the bridge or used a boat to put it in place. That's the sophistication of, Tim, of today's Nazis, Tim. It's a piece of twine tied to a rock. Mm-hmm. So they floated next to the bridge during the rush hour this morning. Uh, so, uh... What, what is the purpose of that, do you suppose? Is that well, like they a, ran out of places in Tigard. But, I mean, what is the purpose of flying a Nazi flag? Like, is that, is, is that like when you put up one of those Ron Paul things, like you're trying to get people on your side? Like, are they banking on somebody driving to work and, 
you know, wondering what direction their life should take it. Wait a minute, have I truly considered Nazism? I'm going to go home and subscribe to a newsletter today. So, well, all right. There oh, speaking go. of Ron Paul, I do have some Ron Paul news. Not that we're saying that Ron Paul is a Nazi, by the way. No, he isn't. Far, far from it. All right, uh, what, what Ron Paul news have we? Well, the GOP presidential candidate, Ron Paul, is hinting to supporters he may be ending his campaign. No, really? <laughs> he addressed supporters in a seven-and-a-half-minute video <laughs> on his campaign website last night, uh, but didn't uh, specifically say he is quitting. He said that although victory at the uh, conventional political sense is not available in the presidential race, uh -huh. many victories have been achieved due to his hard work and enthusiasm with <laughs> supporters. Okay. He had hoped one day that he and his supporters could uh, look back and say his campaign was a significant first step that signaled a change in direction for the country. So now his new job is to plan for the next stage of his campaign. Find some other futile masturbatory gesture for his career. All right. Whatever. So hopefully he won't be a, a long-forgotten politician. Well, you know, it's funny when we, uh, Laura and I were watching uh, the, you know, the, on Tuesday we were watching the Ohio and the Texas primaries, and you know, when McCain cinched it, and I actually made, I was making notes to myself during the uh, during the primary, and I said, you know, note to self, goddamn Ron Paul people will quit calling me now. Mm -hmm. And she actually was the one who said, well, has he quit? Because how could he quit? Yeah. And I said, well, no, I guess not. And so she noted that he actually hadn't quit yet. So. She just continue to hang around like some sort of a some sort of a termite you can't quite locate in your house. So, all right, well, thanks, Ron Paul. By the way, speaking of Nazis, uh, we want to let me back up. Speaking of, I'll clear this up on the other side. Speaking of Nazis, we want to bid uh, farewell to a listener of ours, Allison, not a Nazi, uh, but who is moving to Idaho. Uh, this is the la I got an email from her this morning. Um, I remember I told the story about when I went to the uh, when I went to the doctor a while back to get uh, my trazodone. There was this woman who was sitting in the waiting room, and she was kind of giving me that, you know, like the, the long look, like the sort of I know who you are look. And she didn't, you know, to her credit, she like didn't. She said later that she didn't feel like the hospital waiting room was the right time to come over and like strike up a conversation. But she emailed me later. She's like, hey, I'm that woman that was sort of looking at you in the hospital waiting room, and you know, I listen and you know, love the show, whatever, blah 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 blah. So she emailed me this morning. So. She, I guess for family reasons, is having to leave Portland. Boy, you want to talk about it, just going from Z to A again. She's having to move move from Portland to Idaho, uh, where life sucks and is terrible and everything is bad. Where in Idaho? Uh, to Coeur d'Alene, which, to be fair, is, you pretty. know, it's the pretty place, but it's still filled with Nazis. Uh, and it's an awful place, and you're surrounded by dirt and hate and pain and suffering and stupidity. Um, and... Uh, so anyway, so uh, this is the last day she's going to be listening to this movie. So farewell, uh, Allison. Try to uh, move back, you know, here as soon as possible because no one should live in Idaho. All right, here's Tim Riley, if they can help it. So getting back to uh, more politics, we we were talking about forgotten vice presidential candidates. Yes, we were. So I was looking for forgotten presidential candidates, and I came up with one. Uh, this is from uh, 1966. Estes Keephopper was uh, running for the Democratic presidential primary. <laughs> In Washington, Senator Estes Kefauver makes the long-expected announcement that he will be a candidate for the Democratic presidential nomination in 1956. The Tennessee legislator revealed plans to make a strong campaign in the primary elections and challenged Adlai Stevenson to oppose him in the New Hampshire primaries. A famous coonskin cap in the ring for 56. So he's waving a coonskin cap in the air. <laughs> well, so, the, so he was the Mike Huckabee of his time then. But Adlai Stevenson ended up with the nomination. Of course, he lost uh, because I guess he wasn't married at the time. The TV commercial showed him going shopping with his sister. Really? Yeah. 
1956. You know what that means, Tim. Mm-hmm. Only one reason you're shopping with your sister. Especially in 1956. <laughs> what kind of man shops with his sister? You know, Adlai Stevenson shot somebody. Do you know that? Uh, are you sure this is the same one? Uh, Adlai Stevenson candidate? Yeah. yeah. I do believe uh, he accidentally shot a girl at a party when he was a young man. Oh. Now... Wait, Did as he I, run her over? As I no, that's no, no. That was that's more of a bush trait. Oh. Um, as I should say this though, uh, that my source of this information now that I say it is was in fact Paul Harvey. So that it, uh, who knows if it's true. But Paul Harvey's rest of the story did, in fact, reveal at one point that Adlai Stevenson, when he was like 17, accidentally shot a girl, I think, in the head. I don't think he killed her, but I think he was at a party and he was sort of doing like a whole watch me twirl my gun kind of a thing. And I think it went off and he plugged some girl. Uh, it, it says right here, Stevenson accidentally killed his 16-year-old friend there you go. while demonstrating drill techniques with a rifle accidentally left loaded during a party at the Stevenson home. There you go. So Adlai Stevenson. So Paul Harvey was correct. Mm-hmm. So And now, Tim, you know... The rest of the story. I'm wondering if Citadel's going to fire Paul Harvey. Oh, they can't fire Paul Harvey. Well, first of all, first of all, how would you know? I mean, if they fired Paul Harvey, but, they, but presumably they own. Do you think he owns his own show, or do you think that's owned by the company? He's never spoken of really anywhere. No, but I mean, you know, he is sort of the Johnny Carson of radio. Would you agree, Paul Harvey is the Johnny Carson of radio? Yes. Because he's uh, he's you know the old but been doing he created. Uh, a whole format, been doing it longer than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you one of a kind. You know, they, they try to put up other people sort of against him. They do that kind of short form informational stuff, but Harvey just crushes all of them. But presuming that ABC or now Citadel owns the rest of the story and that he himself does not own the broadcast, they could fire that guy and then just run best of the you know rest of the story. Because at a certain point, I think he stops sounding older. You know what I mean? Like we talk about guys who were born old. I think Paul Harvey though. It reached about 70 years of age, and then he just kind of quit aging. He just, it was like his body couldn't figure out a way to look any older than it did. And so he just sort of hit a, hit, hit the ceiling in terms of age. And uh, so I think they could just run reruns of that thing for the, you know. And let's, let's be honest, Paul, not like Paul Harvey's target demographic really has like the strongest memory at this point in their lives either. So they could just recycle all of his old crap and nobody would even know. So I don't know. I don't know whether they're going to fire him or not. All right. This is like that conversation we had about Casey Kasem, trying to figure out if he was still doing his top 40 thing. But I don't think he is. No, they gave that to Ryan Seacrest, too. But but Casey Kasem probably still owns that, wouldn't you imagine? Maybe the name. I would imagine that Casey Kasem maybe has the has a, a piece of it, a trademark or something, and then he licenses it mm-hmm. to Ryan Seacrest, who is given everything. To whom, to whom all things... Ryan Seacrest is just... Ryan Seacrest is one of those guys where, like, if I die without a will, everything probably will just go to Ryan Seacrest. He is sort of the default recipient of all things in America at this point. Um, we have a call about Iron Eagle, Tim. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Iron Eagle is on in 15 minutes on Dish Network AMC. <laughs> That's the best call we've gotten all week. Really? And, uh, yeah, true story. Firefox is on right now. It should be ending. For, Firefox uh, with Clint Eastwood? Firefox with Mr. Clint Eastwood, yes. Excellent. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, Sam Elliott. Yeah. ASB president, David Douglas High School, 1962. Really? True story. The yeah, ASB president? That's weird. That's like when you hear about. That's like uh, when you hear about the like how Trent Reznor played Professor Professor Harold Hill or whatever that guy was in The Music Man. It's just one of those things you can't really picture. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. There you go. Iron Eagle, one of our finest films. Here's Tim Riley. Wily thieves in the Cove have stolen huge coils of steel. This is the latest of a wave of metal thefts in the Vancouver area. This is one of the biggest ones yet. They have stolen 20 tons of stainless steel worth $80,000. 
They broke into the Vancouver warehouse near West 39th and Fruit Valley Road. They hot-wired a forklift to move several large coils of rolled stainless steel onto a truck. Uh, the metal uh, thief, uh, well, he can get away with this. It is often linked to the methamphetamine trade, addicts who steal to feed their drug habits. As people get more desperate, they've gone to public things such as statues, monuments, and, of course, uh, Sacagawea statues also. So uh, that's one of the biggest steps so far. So be on the lookout for huge bales of wire. This, this guy says, uh, Rick, happy birthday. I have two gifts for you. First, I will in no way, shape, or form be coming anywhere near you, much less expecting to hug or touch you in any way today. Secondly, I have sponsored a small Christian child in your name in Burkina Faso. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Isn't that. that your fake birthday present that you give to people? Yeah, your fake no, Christmas my present? fake Christmas present, because you don't ever have to document it in any way. You pick a country nobody's ever heard of. But, of course, you do give the money to the children. Of course, Just no. Just like you bike every day for the mentally retarded. Absolutely. Every yeah. day that's not today. Yeah. Or yesterday. Or or Wednesday. Thirty-five days before or, that, or the, or the many, many months before that. No, yeah. You, if you sponsor some sort of a like an underfed baby uh, for people, there's, no one can ever criticize that because then they'll feel like terrible people. Here's uh, Tim Riley. An explosion that set up a small fire outside the Venonia School District cafeteria led to an evacuation and lockdown. It happened in a garbage can. The fire was extinguished and authorities were contacted. The garbage can is a total loss. Those responsible were identified. Aha. Uh -huh. No word yet on whether or not any charges are pending. There was a thorough search of the cafeteria and modular ca uh, classrooms, and students were allowed to return to class after that. A former police officer from Portland who claimed she was fired for being a snitch has filed a suit. Lindsay Hunt claims she witnessed a training officer act inappropriately and was told not to report it. Hunt claimed she did not bring the incident to the attention of her supervisor. She said she was told uh, that she could have all oh, you could have all the integrity you want in six months when you're no longer on probationary status if you keep your mouth shut, woman. <laughs> the incident she refers to took place in 2007. She claims her training officer roughed up an uncooperative interview uh, suspect. She also claims the officer abused his authority on other occasions. Following her report of the incident, Hunt claimed she was labeled uh, a snitch. She also claimed that she was told she's not man enough for the job by the police officer. What with the vagina and all? By her training officer. <laughs> uh, her supervisors told her she started a rebellion in the Northeast Precinct and that she was told to fill out a resignation form when she was fired to make things official. She claims that since she was considered a snitch, other officers would not back her up when she was on duty in the field. So she broke the code of silence. There's a thin blue line, Tim. Mm -hmm. I, uh, the Omerta. I mean, I'm not advocating a police, you know, whatever, misbehavior. But don't you just sort of assume that that, don't you just assume that police beat people constantly? I mean, I would. Absolutely. Some, if they deserved it. <laughs> that's my, I mean, obviously, I'm not, I really am not saying it's okay, but I'm just sort of saying that I, I accept that it probably happens. I mean, if you got some some mouthy bastard in the, in the you know, in, he's in the interrogation in the in the box, and they deserve a spanking right now. And you, and you know, oh, they got to learn it. I don't, and, you, and you know, he he like cooked an old woman into a pie or something, and he won't. And it's and you're looking at the wa the, the, the clock, and it's like ten minutes to five, and you want to get home and watch the game, and the guy just won't confess, and you're sitting there going, "Come on, we." You know, then they lie some more. We found knives covered in blood and a big note saying, I did it, I did it, I did it. Just admit it. I didn't do it. I want a lawyer. At that point, you're just like, all right, John, watch the door for a second. And out comes the hose. I mean, I would. I mean, who can who can disagree? Who, who can't understand that? Uh, here's what we got. We have... Um, right onto the hooks over the drain. <laughs> 
Totally. <laughs> Shut that padded door, would you please? The hook's over the drain. Hey, since you advertised for Jackpot, are you going to get to go see the room? I hope so. I want to. Because they left it intact, I think. And he said they took a bunch of photos. They said it's totally creepy back there and, like, they don't really like to be there alone at night. Padded, because it was a primal scream. Padded walls, hooks on the ceiling, and a big drain in the middle of the floor. You have to have a drain like that specially installed, too, I would imagine, Tim, wouldn't you? Yes. The That drain doesn't just come. That's not stock. No. <laughs> that doesn't just come with the, with I would like to I'd like to just I wonder if, where it drains to on Hawthorne too. That's a good question. Hey, if you have a big Tim, if you have a big I like a you're the go-to man for all uh, property questions ever. If you have a big drain in the middle of your floor, where do you suppose that goes to? Into the sewage? Into the sewage, yes. So there you go. So as long as it's all fluids and you know maybe some some small solids, seems like you can get rid of all of that. I'd like to call up and just request a whole lot of weird uh, things be put in my home. Just you know just to screw with them. Just just to say, thing, like, I need some big, sharp hooks. I need a drain in the middle of the floor. And can you make all my windows blackened and soundproof, please? Also a gun. Uh, let's see. We've got somebody about Barack Obama and pinball, somebody about officer training, and somebody about meth addicts. Sarah? They're all equally interesting. Um, I'll go for, let's go for meth addicts for 500. Thank you. Uh, the answer is you. Hi, um, this is Julia Stab. I work with recycle equipment in a bunch of scrapyards, and the other day I was at one here in town, and they said that uh, the idiots went and busted into their yard like a couple blocks away, took the signs off the dump boxes that said the company's name on it, and then promptly came across the street and tried to sell them to that company. <laughs> Um, the the second one great. was in, in your favorite place, Utah. I've uh -huh. got a couple of machines down in there, one in Orem and one up in Ogden. And the one in Ogden, they were telling me that the folks, the idiots went and broke into a graveyard and stole all those brass, the spittoon things that you put flowers in. Really? Are really? departed. Eventually, we're going to have to have an entire world made out of plastic. Oh, yeah. Well, they... they got caught, went up in front of the judge, and, you know, I mean, those towns are so small. You know the judge must have some relatives. Oh, of course. Can you imagine trying to get leniency from them? No, no. <laughs> I love the idea of the guy on his way into the recycling place taking the company's own sign off the hinges to sell to them yeah. as though they wouldn't look at it and read it. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. The, oh, and the thing that pleases me the most, and, and I know this is cold, but when I hear one of them getting electrocuted, stripping out water. Oh, no, that's deeply satisfying. Day. Oh, no, you and me both, sir. <laughs> All, right, All right. right, take it easy. Thank you. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a group of kids from Lake Oswego High School and the ACLU will drop their effort to abolish the city's curfew ordinance saying that recent changes the city made to the law brought it within constitutional limits. The ACLU and the students will shift their efforts to informing other students about the ordinance and the general rights inside and outside school. The only past curfew begins at 10.15 p.m. for those 14 and under and midnight for those 14 to 17 years old. This is where? Lake Oswego. So it, why does Lake Oswego have their own curfew? Well, they don't want kids wandering into... To bad towns. But I mean, is it. What, uh, what happens if they go into Clackamas? I don't think they're really. I think it's the opposite. Wouldn't you agree to that really the opposite is needed? You yes. don't really need a curfew to keep kids from Lake Oswego from going into Clackamas. You really need a curfew and a fence and a moat to keep people from Clackamas going everywhere else. You know what I mean? That's probably true. It seems like that's, a, that's an invert. That's, that's really the wrong solution there. Seems like they need to invert that. Uh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. A fence and a moat sounds great for Clackistani. Yes. <clears throat> so I have uh, points one, two, and three, and they're very fast. Okay, go. All right, because... Wait, hold on, hold on. Do point two first. Really? Yeah. 
All right. Point two is, so I'm just catching up on the uh, podcast from yesterday. Uh-huh. And it kind of relates a little bit. I got up early today to listen to the podcast from yesterday so I could catch up. Um, so I was listening to Lisa Desjardins. Yes. Talking about Barack Obama. But yesterday, I thought I heard, right before she said Obama, a sound. So it sounded like Joe Obama. And I started thinking, Joe Obama, Joe Mama. Why have there been no Joe Obama, Joe Obama? This isn't working out as well as you'd hoped. Really? All right. I've had days like this. <clears throat> okay. Did, like I'm this. sure that, and don't, uh, no disrespect, I'm sure this made sense in your head. I'm sure that in your head it seemed like a real through line. Um, this is not as linear as it might ideally be. Okay. Yeah, let's do point three. Um, no, let's go to point one. Spiro Agnew. This is really fast. I remember back in the 80s, Dave, uh, uh, whatever his name was. <laughs> Maybe he should have recorded us and used Pro Tools before calling. Exactly. Maybe I should have scripted my entire. Maybe I should have scripted my entire thing. Dave Barry, uh, back in the 80s, I recall him saying that Spiro Agnew, an an anagram of that is actually grow a penis. What? An anagram. That's okay. All right, yeah, grow penis, Spiro Agnew. And finally, uh, we were ta- you guys were talking about um, uh, malaria, right? Mosquito, sure. Stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the pinball machine for um, Jurassic Park? Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. It always struck me as, like, weird. <laughs> These are not quick points either. You promised quickness. I- I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, no. Um, you know, playing the, the, uh, the Jurassic Park uh, pinball machine. Uh-huh. Every time you'd go into the, this little thing for a mosquito, it'd go, Mosquito. It was weird. All right. Do you guys like Bally versus Williams pinball machines? Do you guys pin, pinball players? I, I did back in the days of my youth. Let's help them out. All right. Hey, by the way, <laughs> one more rope. thing. Yes. One more thing. I will. So hold on. Let me just back up for a second. Um, I will say... Oh, I didn't see that coming. I didn't totally see it coming. coming. And I was going to respond to him. I was going to give him a pinball observation. Well, now he'll never know. All right. Best pinball game? Anybody here a pinball player? Many, I was many years ago. I was for a while. Um, I have many friends who are. When I was waiting for the air hockey, I'm, to clear. I'm not much anymore. Uh, but uh, in like the early to mid-90s, I went through a phase where I played pinball all the time. Uh, there was this, uh, I forget what it was even called. It was like a super convenience store. Down the house from uh, down the house down the street from the apartment where I lived, it, it was it was this amazing place. Um, I say, and I realize I'm talking about a convenience store, and Tim is smirking. It was really an amazing convenience store, though, for the time because it was in the early '90s, and it was open 24 hours a day, and all under one roof. It was a diner, a convenience store, a car wash, a laundromat, a video game arcade, and one like a movie rental place. And it was all under one roof, and it was open 24 hours a day. And it was fantastic. Uh, and, and they also had a television watching room. And so the deal is, I would go down there to do my laundry, and then you could just walk down you know, the hall and sit and watch television or play uh, pinball or whatever while you're waiting for your laundry to be done. And I have always had a fascination with things that are open 24 hours a day. So I can't remember what the name of the place was, but, um, but they had the Adams Family pinball game. And I got to tell you, people out there who are pinball enthusiasts, I don't play pinball much anymore. But I went through about two or three years where I played pinball a lot, and that Adams Family game was unbelievable. Maybe the best, maybe the best game I've ever played. So, uh, all right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. 
A strip club in Milwaukee is adding security after a gunpoint robbery. This is Dillinger's Bar, Southeast McLaughlin. You'd think with a name like Dillinger's, they would have seen crime coming. Well, a bouncer at the club said he held the doors for safety so the rest of the employees could leave the night when two masked men stormed in. They both put guns in his face and told him to get down to the floor. Uh, then they used zip ties to tie up five people and grab the money bags that they were ready to deposit. The robbers then forced each person to empty their pockets and hand over cell phones and car keys. And then the gunman finally left. Oh, as a... Oh, it is a strip club with video poker. There's typically no shortage of cash going on there. Oh, yeah, that's right, because people are putting money in and getting money out. So now Dillinger says, armed security for your comfort. The robbers are in their 30s, about 6 feet 2, and with tall and thin bills. One of the robbers was black, the other was white. And if anyone has information, please call the sheriff's office in the clock. It is. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh... All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Vancouver. What's up? Hey, buddy. You got to quit cutting on Clackamas County, man. You got to understand, the Clackamas County's got the highest per capita income in the state. Yeah, that's, but here's the thing. That's completely land. misleading, though. Yeah. That's completely misleading. Because that's like when I was somebody was like, well, you know, there's that country club that's in Clackamas. But isn't it just like the one corner of the county that sort of lifts the curve for everybody? Not really, Rick. If you look at Washington County, it's much more of a dump than Clackamas County. <laughs> same, with, you know, same with Washington County. I can see where know? this is leading. This is going to be a whole lot. Your county sucks. Your county sucks. Your mom's <laughs> well, a whore. I just wanted to make the point because you're always cutting on Clackamas County, but it's really not quite the hick that you think it is. Tim? Well, some of it is nice. <laughs> there are nice. I mean, I would agree. Well, look, here's the thing. Every uh, every place. No, I, I dine frequently in Clackamas County. Every county has its good points and its bad points. Uh, would you not agree with that, sir? This is absolutely you, true. For instance, you take Southeast, for example. Now, there is uh, the, the place is on and right around Mount Tabor. Very nice. Nice houses. Beautiful. Then there's where I live. Not so much. Bad well, in every way. it's kind of funny that as you head north out of Clackamas County, into, well, your neighborhood. Has this been bugging you for some time? <laughs> no, Rick. Let me ask just, you this. Uh, Let's, here's just an the, old guy. Here's the thing. For the rest of the day, we'll make fun of whoever you want. What what area would you like us to make fun of for the rest of today's program? Uh, let's make fun of Beavertron. What is your name? Skyler, Vancouver. Skyler. And we're making fun of Beaverton? Yes. No, Beavertron. he's not concerned about Vancouver where he lives. No, of course the, not. The target of Minnesota. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Beaverton will be the object of our scorn for the rest of the day. Thanks, Rick. Thank Love you guys. Best show ever. for you, Skyler. I will say go. one thing about Clackamas County, though. They have yet to have one Nazi flag incident. Here's the thing about Clackamas County. It's a lot better than goddamn Beaverton, just full of sluts and drunks. Totally. Yeah. You tell them, Rick Emerson. <laughs> Streetwalkers and whatnot. <laughs> All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so John McCain is focusing on ways to uh, fix the ailing economy because everybody's so concerned about it. Uh, and then he says, uh, Governor Sonny Perdue of Georgia um, might be his running mate, but, well, they're really not sure yet. And what does Sonny Perdue say about that? Oops, wait a minute. <laughs> what is who? Sonny <laughs> Perdue. And that's who again? He's the governor of Georgia. But I'm confident that uh, uh, Senator McCain will present the type of candidate that Georgians respond to, ones they can trust and believe in, and will keep America safe. 
Whatever. Keep America safe. Uh, yeah. It's too early to say whether or not Sonny Perdue will be his running mate. <laughs> I'd just like to say that Governor Vice Perdue President is a great, Sonny. great leader. We haven't begun the progress process yet, but uh, I, I have the greatest respect and regard for uh -huh. Sonny for the governor Sonny. and the great job that he's doing, done here in the state of Georgia. Right. Chief of Staff Chico. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yep. uh, hi there. I've got a question for you. Yeah. How, how exactly do you empty your pockets if your hands are zip-tied? That's a good question, actually. Well, I guess if they're zip-tied in front of you. Yeah. I'd still like to see it and do some gymnastics. That's all. I'm out. Okay. People are weird. They really are. <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. Uh, it's a sir. It's Dennis. I just wanted to say uh, happy birthday. Are you on your way to sell something or from selling something? I'm actually on the way from selling something okay. again today. It's That's going to be the question I have for every AE that calls you. the show. Yes. Uh, well, you got to pay for that $42,000 background playset. Uh, yes, yes. I, I, yeah, that's, uh, I have to uh, worry about the financing on that. Let me ask you this. What company is it that manufactures that playground set? I, you know what? I don't know the name off the top of my head. It's, right, it's a really cool company. We went down there. It's right off of uh, uh, Gleason over there about, uh, I don't know, about 60th, 70th, right in there. Uh -huh. The place that they have a couple of those set up, and really... Honestly, I just want to get a big adult-sized one now because I just assume living a fort. I mean, I'm still just a, a punk kid at heart. And so, how much was this background playground? It was forty-two grand assembled. Uh, uh yeah, forty-two grand installed. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll I'll let you get back to selling that in just a second. What's what's up? Well, I just wanted to say, A, happy birthday. B, yeah. uh, a little uh, Iron Eagle kid that I actually watched it last night because they've been replaying it all week on A&E. It's the best movie ever. And, uh, oh, God, it was so funny because they didn't realize that the the bad, uh, I don't remember who it was, the Iranians or whoever they, you know, just plugged it's in. The, the it's the guy. Libyans, I think. The Libyans. Yeah. And the bad guy, the, the colonel bad guy, is the same bad guy out of Johnny Dangerously. So all I keep seeing is him doing the bad English uh, curse words every time he got on the screen. Totally. And he uh, and he's the guy that appears, he's in the jet at the end, that he and Jason Gedrick face off mano a mano. Oh, totally. It's yeah. so funny. He starts screaming because he has the white helmet because, you know, they got their planes from the Russians and, and I think all that. So. His name is like Nair Nagash, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. Um Anyway, uh, also, uh, just for Skylar, Beaverton sucks. And uh, have a great birthday. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> all right, here's Tim Riley. Mayday. Yeah. Mayday. Cheppy. Cheppy, where are you? Is this clean? That's an order. Nothing you can go about me. Jeffy, I want to help you. Where are you? Climb high, like I told you. Eject, eject, eject. No, I ain't gonna make it. Jeffy! Are you cut off the scream? I think he does swear, though, after this. We should stop. Let's... I think, I think he yells Chappy, and then I think he says, like... You know, yeah, I think I think he does like I think he does swear because then uh, that's when he's all about going back and I don't know because he, he's going to face that jet one on one and then the other fighters appear and then they do the missing the missing man formation mm -hmm. uh, for Lou Gossett Jr. who's then uh, who who then it turns up mysteriously alive at the end. Oh, this is the one that has Pegasus at the beginning. Oh, TriStar. The greatest logo of all time. Just try. Was that a Pegasus? Was it a flying unicorn? That was Pegasus. Wait, does a Pegasus have a horn, or is it just winged? Just winged. Or winged, as they say. All right, fantastic. Iron Eagle had a great soundtrack, too. Uh, the lead-off track, of course, One Vision by Queen. Is this the opening of Iron Eagle? It is. Let's all watch it. Let's watch it on the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Wow, 80s electronics. Priority check. Lou Gossett Jr. Is so that, was Iron Eagle a movie or was it Iron a show? Eagle. The military font. Uh, no, it's a movie. Okay. Um, it's a movie about a uh, a kid whose dad is a fighter pilot, and the kid is like 16 or whatever, and uh, you know, and he's you know he's been screwing around with planes his own self. Anyway, the, the kid's dad is a fighter pilot. He's shot down and taken hostage by another country, and the U.S. government won't lift a finger to get the dad. And so the kid and his like 15-year-old friends, of course, they mount their own military rescue mission into Libya to rescue the dad. Kind of like a, a whole Red Dawn. Thing. It's totally. It's exactly like that. It's it's like the Goonies, but with uh, but with fighter jets. But it's easy for teenagers to take these jet fighters. Anytime they <laughs> exactly. Want. No, because even though the kids, it has the, it has the one uh, that one movie conceit where. The kid is, wait for it, all caps, the best. Even though he's only 16, he's the best. He's the best fighter. He plays fast and loose with the rules, but he's the best fighter. You've got more natural skills than anybody I've ever seen. Which, of course, is the case in all of these films. Let's break now. Back after this, more of uh, Tim Riley around the corner. Later on, Aaron Duran, James Roop, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. What did you get? Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is my current favorite bed, by the way. Uh, Fat Boy Roberts put this together, a little bit of a mashup here. Uh, who dropped these off for us, these gifts? It doesn't say from whom, but we must thank them. So somebody dropped us, what is the name of the company that makes these? Giant Microbes. Giantmicrobes.com. So they are giant plushy versions of real-life microbes. Sarah got athlete's foot? Yes? I did. I What's got the scientific name? Trichophytomentagraphite. Tim got, I have flesh-eating disease. Who gave you that flesh-eating disease? It doesn't say from whom, but thank you. Tim got a flesh-eating disease from somebody that doesn't know who. I got, yes... The Black Death. <laughs> I got the plague, uh, which is uh, Yersinia pestis. Does your plague have eyeballs? It does. Mine does too. It's one million times actual size. It's kind of cute, actually. Yeah, the plague's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> but the plague kind of looks like a black dildo a little bit, but um. It does. That Mine is like a, a headline-grabbing nightmare. <laughs> um. So yeah, the, the plague is adorable. The plague is so cute. <laughs> Who's the cutest little plague? Who? Who? Well, who killed one-third of Europe's population? Who? Okay. All right. Well, uh, what an odd day this is already. It really is. Studio is. covered in bacon. It's your birthday, and we get the presents. <laughs> my, my birthday and all. <laughs> Rick Emerson had a birthday, and all I got was this lousy flesh-eating virus. <laughs> all right. Studio covered in bacon, all of us being given microbes. It's a great day. Um, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh, so I forgot to tell you, I met yeah. Jason Gedrick once. Jason Gedrick, Iron Eagles, Jason Gedrick? Uh-huh. But Fantastic. he was much older on a show called uh, Murder One in 1997. Is that Murder One or Murder in the First? Murder One. Was that a TV show? Yes, it was. I don't think I remember that. No, it wasn't on very long. Um, he was also on a show called, I think he was on a show called Easy Streets with Ken Olin, but I might be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a reporter in one episode. Well, you, know, you know, in these things where reporters are shoving microphones in their mouths, yeah. hundreds of them. Were they on a press? Questions? Yeah. Were on the steps of the courthouse? Were you I one was of one of those hundreds? I was one oh, of those. Oh, so you weren't like a reporter in real life. You were playing a reporter. I was playing a reporter. You were one of the hands holding up a microphone? Yes. Excellent. And I was uh, shoving questions. Yeah. I wonder where Jason Gedrick is right now, actually. He's one of those guys like C. Thomas Howell. Uh, that I sort of uh, that I sort of wonder about. Well, I still think he's playing a white man. Yeah, pro- <laughs> he's no Robert Downey Jr. See, Thomas, how? By the way, we had those. Uh, the, the he is com- filming uh, something called Wise Gal. Well, that sounds good. And I guess he was on four episodes of Desperate Housewife last. Jason Gedrick? Yeah. 
Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, he might be one of those guys, though, that has grown into his looks a little bit. He was kind of gawky looking as a kid. But, you know, like Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey, who went on to become, you know, he's Dr. McDreamy on uh, on Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. And all the uh, all the girls love him. So it's, uh, you know, he might be one of those guys. Yeah, we had those comedians in the other day. We were talking about people who are only used as cultural references now, like Abe Vigoda. C. Thomas Howell's on his way to become one of those guys. C. Thomas Howell will be like Judge Reinhold. I just referenced C. Thomas Howell like on my blog not even five minutes ago. That's what I'm saying. Oh. He, he's going to be one of those guys that you go, blah, 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 C. Thomas Howell. Uh, which will totally work. Uh, you know, they'll probably bring him onto Arrested Development at some point. All right, here's, here's Tim Riley. This is confusing. I don't know if we're opening gifts. Witnessing affection in the hallways, or what right. we're doing, you know, and that thing. They, oh, yeah. By the way, this we should. the greatest thing ever. We, by the way, we should tell people. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned in the eleven o'clock hour that I walked out to go to the bathroom, and there was a gauntlet of people whom I had to hug. And it just of, keeps on going. And now, plenty of loving in that oven. Every 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 time, uh -huh, every time I leave the studio now during a break. The group has been reassembled, and I have to hug people every time I leave the studio today. It's unfortunate, so, but true. Well, no, it's, you know, people show affection in different ways. Apparently, uh, their Earth affection, Tim, takes the form of hugs. I, it's not something we do on my planet, but, you know, it's a big universe. Uh, we have breaking news, apparently. Okay. Hold on, let me, uh... I always forget that's so loud. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hi, Rick. This is Jeff, the traffic guy here on KCMD Portland. Right about, right about I-5 uh, South, exit 283, Wilsonville, we have a car upside down on the side of the road due to a blown-out tire. Traffic backed up for two or three miles. Uh, this is your traffic update, KCMD Portland. Is anyone hurt? Can you tell? Is there an ambulance? I, I don't know. The car's upside down in the bushes. How would a tire so, car go upside down from a blown tire? That seems... It I mean, looks like it, it... Well, it's oh, maybe then they You turn. can go 70 through there, blew the tire, and there's rubber all over the ground, and then the... Skid marks kind of go into the center lane, and then I guess if you, and if you bank and flip it, yeah. and if you yeah, if you bank really hard trying to get control, you can go ass over tea kettle, as they say. So uh, that's actually what it did because it's actually facing like the front end is facing north on the southbound lane, upside down on, in the uh, grass there on the side. Interesting. All right, thank you for the update, yeah. sir. All right, then. thank you, my friend. All right, he sounded like a real metro traffic he really, reporter. He did actually. Well, there were cutbacks everywhere. He might have been a real metro traffic reporter. Uh, Losing that. $11 an hour. <laughs> How could you find a job that paid that much? <laughs> How sad is that? Too? I, can't lose, I can't lose this minimum wage job. <laughs> Where will I ever find another job that underpays me? Oh, wow. I was, I was told at one event that uh, such and such a person is the star traffic reporter. My goodness, that must be big. I wonder if they have a little room nobody else is allowed to go into. A little, I wonder if they have a little, a little tile that only they're allowed to step on in the Metro newsroom. Whatever. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, you're probably wondering what Fidel Castro's daughter's up to these days. And who knew he even had one? Is he married? Is there Mrs. Castro? I don't know. She's probably dead if she was. I was going to say he's probably had her liquidated. Well, his daughter, Elena Fernandez, uh, who moved to the United States. I guess she defected. She I'm... says it's time for Cuba to design their own government. I'm calling it now that she's hot. Invent their own uh, political way of exerting their liberty. <laughs> she sounds evil. She sounds... Yeah, she sounds she, like somebody you'd like. She sounds a little Boris and Natasha to me. Invent their own uh, political way of exerting their liberty. Bloka! What? Oh, no, she sounds like... Yeah, she sounds like a character. She doesn't sound like a real person. Yeah, she sounds like the Russian ambassador on the West Wing, who was also hot and evil. So, uh, all right, fair enough. A uh, 33-year-old <laughs> Michigan man who ran off with a 15-year-old Amish girl... <laughs> wow. ...turned really? out to be an illegal alien who left behind a wife and four children. 
Oswald Harmus and the young girl, who picks Esther, an Esther, Amish girl, Esther Hirschberger, planned to get married in Mexico, but were stopped at the border. Uh, Are Amish girls easy or something? I don't know. I'm not familiar with the Amish girls. Uh, the uh, legal immigrant's wife is devastated and shocked by the news of her husband's plan. That according to his cousin, uh, Nora. Yeah, she was totally distraught about it. Upset because we never thought he'd do that. Well, I wouldn't want my, uh, I wouldn't want my sister to marry an Amish person. So, uh, cousin Nora said, uh, the wife is really the victim here. Who's going to help her? She doesn't have an education. How, how far is she going to get? Well, I hope all this straightens out and she gets help that she needs because it wasn't her doing. How odd that you're, first of all, an illegal alien looking for love in the Amish community. Mm-hmm. And then uh, maybe there are no Amish women of age who, f- who fancied him. So maybe he felt... Do you have any Amish girl sponsors? No. <laughs> Would you like to meet hot Amish girls? <laughs> hot Amish girls are waiting to meet you now. <laughs> I don't date guys that have microwaves. <laughs> I don't... You have a car. No way. Coming to the Gretchen Radisson this weekend. All right. I was totally going to go there, too. <laughs> really? I'm like, oh, I don't know if you can say that. Oh, fantastic. Oh. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, a hairstylist shot to death an unhappy client after she complained about her haircut. Lauren Newton was getting her haircut Thursday. Uh but she began to argue with the hairstylist. Don't do that. So the hairstylist uh, went out back, got a gun, fired a shot at the ceiling, uh, and she's charged with aggravated assault and reckless endangerment. She's in jail now. Uh, the injuries aren't considered life-threatening. So uh, apparently she won't go there again. And by the way, and I don't know to whom I'm saying this, because you'll see why this is ironic in a moment. The podcast is experiencing technical difficulties, apparently. I'm now saying... To, no one will hear this who needs to hear it because the podcast isn't working. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah. It's so, a big birthday extravaganza. This podcast experiencing technical difficulties, and he says, it's not working. Why so I guess that? those are the technical difficulties. It's broken. Uh, I don't know. So uh, we're going to look into that. So uh, Maybe CBS is changing a wire or something. <laughs> Maybe. Everyone's too busy coming down to hug you. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's it. All the vast resources of CBS have been put into making paper bacon and hugging me. Here's Tim Riley. I, I've never seen half those people who have been hugging you today. No, no. Uh, Maybe they've been brought down from Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> they've imported some folks just for the hugging. Um, yeah, I do believe that there was some all CBS uh, email that uh, that went. No, that went out. it was a special email. Really? A special secret email. Was it? To, but I mean, was it was it to selected folks? Do you suppose, or did they did they like CC the entire First Avenue building on it? No, it wasn't everybody. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Wait, I'm back coming over here from King. But I can't was, show you the top secret message. I was. What, why, why can't you show me the top secret message? It's top because. secret. Oh, God, is there something else coming? Oh, great. Fine. It's top secret. It's All right. secret, Rick Emerson. All right. Now, you know some of the things that aren't allowed to happen on my birthday, right? What, are, what is allowed to happen? You know I can't be sung to in a restaurant by anybody, ever. We're not going to a restaurant. We're not going to a restaurant. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think. I guess that's really it. But I guess that doesn't really affect... someone wearing a rodent costume? No, that doesn't really... I guess that doesn't really affect us. But, I mean, well, you have that thing about not being sung to in a restaurant. No. Do we all all have that phobia, Tim? I don't like restaurants anyway. (laughs) I had to work at Red Robin. (laughs) That's not true. That's a complete falsehood. What did you say, Tim? Tim, I don't like restaurants. That's not... That's just completely untrue. All right, you caught me on that. (laughs) I I don't like restaurants. (laughs) I don't like food. 
Um, I worked at Red Robin for a summer, and they, every time they'd sing the birthday song, I'd hide in the bathroom. Oh, because it was oh. mortifying, right? Well, everyone who goes in there claims to have a birthday, and people just never shut up. No, <laughs> it's true. I like the idea of you hiding so you wouldn't have to come out and sing it. It was terrible. Yeah. And people delivering those onion rings on that long broom handle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please die of a heart attack before you leave. <laughs> no, I told I told my wife when we first met. I'm like, you know what? You ever have anybody sing to me on my birthday in a restaurant? I will leave you. That's it. Point oh. blank. I like the first day we met her. Do you see how this turned out before? Like, you've got to stop saying things, like, with absolute certainty because you tell everybody, I don't want to be hugged, and then your entire birthday is you being hugged. What do you think is going to happen now? I guess. No, but, I mean, to be fair, that really was a thing only it was for my wife because, and, and I kind of said it, you know, obviously part of a joke, but there's a real germ of truth in there in that, that being sung to in a restaurant is just mortifying. I mean, maybe not for, not for I mean, obviously there are people who like it. They're dumb people, uh, and they—I mean, there are people, I guess, who enjoy having that kind of attention brought on them in the middle of, you know, like a TGI Friday. And, and, and they're totally oblivious to the fact that the people sitting right next to you consider it obnoxious <laughs> and you're ruining their see, evening. That, see, that's my thing. I'm not trying to knock people. When I say dumb people, uh, let me clarify. I'm not trying to knock people who are into their birthday. I'm sort of, you know, typically in this is shaping up to be an interesting day, but I'm typically kind of indifferent to my birthday. That's the thing. I'm not opposed to people celebrating their birthday. I'm not... Because then you're, I'm not one of those guys, like, Christmas sucks. I hate holidays. Like, I am not one of those guys. I don't hate holidays. I don't hate Christmas, I don't hate Halloween, I don't hate birthdays, whatever, but it's that. I don't, I think like a lot of us, I live in fear of being the tacky or obnoxious guy in a restaurant or at a business. And so that's my thing about it is like, because you know everyone else in the restaurant is hating you. Uh, you, it's like you don't. It's like it's like nobody wants to be the parent with the kid that everybody hates. Mm. So I don't want to be the table where Tim is trying to have dinner quietly in the next booth, and meanwhile there's 75 people and a giant mouse coming out to give me to give me a cake and chant and ring a bell. And meanwhile everybody else is wishing I was dead. So anyway, all right, here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, children and skunks have been removed from a feces-filled home. This comes to us from Florida. Children. <laughs> Oh, children and skunks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not all. By a nose. Three children, several skunks, 30 cats, six dogs, a turtle, a frog, and a guinea pig. Walk into a bar. Have been taken from a feces and urine-filled home. Oh. How do you fill up a home with urine? I guess they can in Florida. (laughs) That's a waterproof home. You have to seal the the windows first. (laughs) <laughs> now, Cheryl Ann Cumsey could face criminal charges. I need 500 buckets. <laughs> Please fill up my home with urine. A big paint truck. <laughs> urine. <laughs> it, like, comes right after the gas truck. <laughs> oh, urine, man. <laughs> uh, pardon me. Uh, are you uh, Mrs. Lipinski? I got all this urine. Where you want it? In the home, please. <laughs> Oscar, the urine man is here. <laughs> that is an interesting question, though. How can a home be filled with urine? That just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I almost use masking tape around the windows and doors. That's almost impressive. <laughs> I'm surprised the authorities weren't drowned when they opened the door. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to fill a single room with urine. <laughs> <laughs> Some things I guess you just gotta see. Well, maybe this is a small bungalow. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the Bay Animal uh, Control took the animals. No word yet on where the skunks went. 
Out of the 30 cats and six dogs, a turtle of and a guinea pig. Uh, the children will uh, become wards of the state. In Florida, where I'm sure that's going to work out well. The home has been ordered evacuated. <laughs> and that's like there was, the urine, too. Uh, Sounds like there was a lot of evacuating going on in that house before. Mm-hmm. Uh, also from Florida. You might have seen this on from the... From where? Damn it. That woman videotaped at a car thing. wash blasting her daughter with a high-pressure hose. In an apparent case of child abuse, uh, said she was uh, trying to calm her child's temper tantrum. Uh, the woman who was not identified turned herself into police after seeing extensive media coverage concerning the incident. The, det- the woman offered detectives a reason for spraying the child, who is believed to be two years old. She indicated to the police that the child had a temper tantrum, and she used a pressure washer to punish the child, in her words, to calm the child down. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. So this happened at the Magical Car Wash <laughs> on Bloomfield Drive in Orlando. Uh, the video shows the girl getting hit with blasts of water as she's screaming at the top of her lungs. That hose delivers 1,200 pounds of water per square inch. Wow. A witness heard the child screams for help. It wasn't like a regular cry. It was more like a, a screaming, a high-pitched cry. One like those bloody murders you hear about. I think that entire state ought to be made the ward of a state. So here's how it happened. She put $2 in, started the machine, and went straight to the baby. They never cleaned the car, asked the newsman. No, said the witness. I like that's the horrifying part to the witness, is that they put the $2 in and didn't even bother to clean well, the car. Well, they only two minutes. <laughs> and you never have enough change at the car wash. You never go. You always I barely, don't have the last quarter. I had barely gotten to the baby's legs when I ran out. <laughs> it's true. You Your almost had a hair covered yeah. with some stuff. <laughs> and the baby, I, I, only, I only got a chance to put the first wax coat on. I still had to do the sealant. <laughs> uh, so I guess this was just, life. This was just a regular wash. <laughs> this they didn't have time to get off that weird brush that yeah, shoots out the foam. She wanted to use the foam brush, <laughs> but did not have enough chance. Where's my chamois? Oh, man. Life is stupid. Really. Really, people are just a plague. People really are just one, one big so, disease. So the, the headline from Florida is... Girl is pressure washed to calm her temper tantrum. Because that usually works. Yep. What? What? what well, another the... child psychologist told me. <laughs> that was Doctor Spock's advice. Yeah. When, when, when in doubt, but punish your child with a high pressure car wash hose. Be quiet, sweetheart, or you'll be Simonized. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know where to go from there. Let's. Uh, I. You know, I'm sorry, I have these things all over. This is the other thing. In addition to being hugged, every time I'm going out of the hallway now, they're covering me with lays made out of bacon. So I am... And just lays made out of lay stuff. And so I am covered with... And I was hoping... Are you, do you have an American flag in Somebody your stuck a small American flag in my pocket. That is patriotic. And so... And, of course, I was hoping we could go the whole day without the blah, 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 laid. But if Richie Bristol was obliged to make the laid joke, obviously, oh. what he does. Well, how? wouldn't you be disappointed if he didn't? I guess. Well, now it's done. It's out of the way. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How you doing? Oh, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the show Murder One earlier. Wait for me. Yes. Yes, that Murder One. Show, that was the show. Uh, it, it, it was based on where they followed one trial, basically, for the whole mm. uh, 13 episodes. I, Daniel, I Daniel Denzali that. was the head DA. 
It was a very high-profile case. I think they patterned it kind of after the O.J. Simpson. It was on the heels yeah, was of O.J. Simpson. And I do remember that. And Jason Gedrick played, what, a lawyer or a P.I. or something? No, he was actually the suspect. Is that true? Yeah. Okay, then I'm I'm getting the particulars wrong, but I do remember that, yeah. the format of the show. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was actually a pretty decent show, but yeah, it was one of those, like, 24 where if you missed an episode, you were kind of screwed. Yeah, that came out around the same time as a show called Easy Street, starring 30-somethings Ken Olin. Same yeah. thing, where... um. If you missed one episode, you, you or if you tried, God forbid, tried to come in halfway through. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it is with The Wire. I mean, if you haven't watched every single episode from the beginning, you are going to be effed when it comes to yeah. uh, to watching that. So, all right, is it out on DVD? Do you know? Uh, you know, I don't really I don't know, but it was that, I, and I don't think it lasted more than one. I think it was only on for one season. I don't think there was ever a renewal on it, but it actually was a pretty decent show. Interesting. I'll have to look into it, see if it's around out there. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rick. Bye now. Yeah, people are pretty much burned out <coughs> with the Judge Edo stuff during the day. I think so. Well, that's the thing is, how could you compete with OJ? Right. I mean, how how could anything? I mean, this sounds like an obvious statement, but how could any fictionalized whatever compete with that OJ Simpson trial? Especially because, I mean, this is another cliche that is also true that if you had written the OJ Simpson criminal trial as a a movie, no one would have ever believed it. I mean, it, it was just so full of just impossible, just insanity, that no one would ever have thought it actually could have happened. And much less, imagine if you were trying to peddle the life of O.J. Simpson as a book. There's nobody who would find it believable. I mean, here's that, he's a Heisman the winner, and he's a huge NFL superstar, and a whatever, and then he allegedly kills two people, he's acquitted, he's then convicted in another court of that, and then, you know, the whole business with the real killers, and then there's been where he's allegedly breaking in, he might go to jail again, and then the business of the writing the book, this is a confession, which is then yanked off the market, which is then released by the murderer, by the murder victim's family. I mean, there are so many twists and turns. That, I mean, you couldn't swallow that in the most hoary of John Grisham novels. Uh, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Oh, my gosh. It looks like Tony Blair is going to teach at Yale. Really? Maybe his alma mater. Okay. Uh, by the way, the, you're... the New Englander turned Texan. <laughs> Listening to KCMD Portland. Uh, Tony Blair is taking up a teaching post at Yale. Uh, he stepped down as prime minister uh, after 10 years of power. He wants to lecture on faith and globalization, and he's going to start the next epidemic year. His work at the university could relate to his uh, work at the Tony Blair Faith Foundation, which he's due to launch later this year. So he's got a whole bunch of things going for him. He has demonstrated outstanding leadership in those areas, including doing exactly as he was told. But this is who has done this? Tony Blair? Yeah. In what area? I was going to say what area? The lap doggery? Yes. Not asking any questions? Poodleization of Britain. You know what I was watching the other day was um, uh, Love Actually, which is just a fantastic film. And um, perhaps I would say, next to say anything, I would say Love Actually is perhaps our finest romantic comedy. Uh, as a people, I mean, really, it's uh, I can't think of a better romantic comedy than Love Actually. I mean, say anything well, you is, tell is us the plot line. I don't remember watching it. Now, is that true? Have you not seen Love Actually? I don't think so. It's impossible. Well, it's it's, it's difficult. A, it has so many plot. It's like a, a whole bunch of plot lines that all come together, and you see why they're all connected at the very. It end. is multiple storylines happening at once. I think like eight or nine different stories. All star cast, like like a full on Woody Allen all star cast. I mean, just nothing but top names. It was made by the, it's some British folks, it's made by, what's his name, that, uh, Ben Curtis, that worked on Blackadder and then Bridget Jones's Diary, and uh, it really is an exceptional film. Uh, I would say that Say Anything, to me, I'm just saying for me, Say Anything is probably the best American romantic comedy. Um, I know a lot of people say When Harry Met Sally, which is also great. Um, but I Say Anything is probably the best American romantic comedy, probably the best British romantic comedy, and one of the best ever is Love, Love Actually. But there's this great sequence where... 
Um, Hugh Grant, as clearly playing Tony Blair, I don't, I forget what name they give him, but Hugh Grant plays the prime minister and Billy Bob Thornton plays the president, clearly modeled on George Bush. And there was a great sequence where Hugh Grant gives the president of the United States just this big dressing down in front of the press corps. And he's, and Billy Bob Thornton is clearly supposed to be like a W type mm. president. And Hugh Grant, again, obviously is very playing, playing Tony Blair, basically, and just reams the president of the United States in front of the press corps. And you could tell that that was written as some sort of fantasy wish fulfillment, you know, by those. You could, the, the people who wrote that film it, were writing it because they really wished that Tony Blair would just finally tell W to get bent, which he never did. So, uh, all right, there you go. Um, I'm sorry, just a little side note here. Are, what time are we interviewing the C's guy? Because it's supposed to be 140, right? C's. That C's candy? The South C's. Martin Scorsese? Oh, uh, let's let's find out. Oh, it's called Sex Panther. Oh, By Odeon. Our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol, joining us now. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Good. How are you? What's up? How are you? Uh, it's your birthday. <laughs> are you drunk? No. You sound drunk. You sound drunk. I'm eating sunflower seeds, and they're drying my mouth up. I think it's a mistake. You're so mumbly. <laughs> you know, they have water now. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you hungover? Oh, no. <laughs> That's a yes. Did you go out to Pimp Squad last night? Uh, no. Uh-uh. Okay, you're completely hungover. And if not, you're dying. I feel like I'm dying. What is wrong with you? Well, we don't have long enough in the show to talk about that. No, I got all the time in the world. Tim, we can make a few minutes here? Yes, yes. Okay, do. what's wrong? You I sound I don't you're dying, Richie. If you, if you don't mind me prying, you sound terrible. Oh, great. Sarah? I'm okay. You sound you hungover. Sound, you're always you're always so um, bubbly and that you seem a little morose today. You, um, you seem what's as... going on? Do you need to give Rick a hug? With a, oh, a hug God. From Rick no, from that's not going to help anything. Would oh. you like some plague? I got a little plague here for you. Um, no. You, no, you do sound uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit hungover. But is that not the case? Oh uh, no, just not sleep, I guess. So what would you? Why? So what would you ascribe your fatigue today? Uh, lack of sleep. Now you said you didn't have enough time to get into it. That implies there's a long story. Yeah. What's the story? Uh, I have a tenant down at the beach that left a pile of garbage and then moved across the street, and I basically evicted them. I uh -huh. went through the court system. <laughs> Good for you. I evicted them. When they were moving out, they left garbage all over the place, and then they moved across the street. What did they do? They called the police and tell them, hey, there's this house across the street with a big mess in it. Did you work them over? Wait, hold on. So they, so they were your tenants. You, they made a mess, so you evicted them. No, they, they, I evicted them, and then when they, they were leaving, it's down at the coast, so I can't watch it. So you evicted them, and then they trashed the house. They trashed the outside. They left garbage everywhere, mattresses. Oh. And all okay, stuff. and then they moved across the street into a new, like another person's place? Yeah, then they called the cops to complain about a mess. The cops come, and they write me two $500 tickets. Oh, so the, you're so you're saying that they made a mess and then they, and then they called the man and you got hit for it? Yeah, because it's your property. Yeah. Can you sue them? Uh, I'm going through the court systems. I went down there and she basically came across the street drunk and hit me across the face with this scar right here. Oh. With a fifth of Jack Daniels. Wow. Who did, did yesterday? You see that? You got yeah, a big right scar right. on the bridge of your nose. Uh huh. Oh Just my God. Me. Jesus. This, but oh, this all happened yesterday. No, I was going to the court systems to deal with it. Okay. Okay, because I knew you were gone yesterday, but I knew you weren't going out of town because you came back to do the recap. So you were in court yesterday. Yes. Okay, because of this, where they they made, trashed the place and then got you hit with the fines, and then she hit you with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Uh-huh. Okay, did you call God, the cops on her? Person. Oh, yeah, I did. And what, what happened? Did they cover? They did a report, and I don't know where it went with that. If somebody hits you with a bottle of Jack Daniels, that seems like a real crime. That's a, that's not a fun crime. No. That's a, that's a, that's a crime you ought to do some time for. 
Jesus. All right. Well, fair enough. And yeah, that's okay. You're you're allowed to be whatever you want to be today. That's, uh, you've had a bad time of it. But it's okay. It's All your right. birthday. It's Happy okay. birthday. All right. Well, well, they'll get theirs, Richie. For the most part, renters are trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know where? Especially in Beaverton. All right. Uh, so uh, what is his name? Stu? Oh, boy. You don't remember, do you? No, I don't. Stu blah, blah, blah uh, from South Sea Connection. Uh-huh. Well, I always get this wrong. South Sea singular. Connections, plural. Uh, is he here now? Uh, nope, he should be here. No, I just, I just got an email from somebody upstairs. Oh, that oh, he's here. Okay. All right, we just got to cool his heels a little bit. Uh, what time are we supposed to have on? 1.30? Right after the 1.30 break. All right, well, um, yeah, he's upstairs in the lobby, so, you know, he can let him chill up there for a while, okay. and then uh, and then later, because, you know, I have to make him hang around about here. Let him hang out in the lobby for a while, and then uh, bring him down here later on, and we'll let him let okay. kick it with you, Richie. Yeah. Don't, don't go drilling him for questions, though. He was, never mind. No. He, he could stand at the end of the hugging line. No, I'm not going to say nothing. Don't, uh, don't, yeah, don't go drilling for questions because we're going to try to do that on the air. Okay. So, all right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. There you go. That's uh, Richie Bristol. Wow. That's a, that's a bad day. If you get a good tenant, hang on to them. Yeah, seriously. Because they're few and far between. I can't believe it. I mean, I guess oh, I yeah, can believe that. Trash. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I. Uh, all right. Don't believe it. All right, fair enough. Well, you do uh, the general public. It's uh, 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson uh, radio program. Uh, this is Tim Riley. Had I known that, I would have formed a posse to go defend Richie. Seriously. Uh, we, no, sir, if you need somebody handled, you let us know. All right. We know people. Mm-hmm. We, we can have people taken care of. All right. Jesus, that sucks. Yep. It's more than just collecting money every month. But right? did you see what, you know, this is exactly what I said yesterday. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what you were talking about, that woman on the max who scammed her way on and then fought tooth and nail about it. This is just what I said. People who make an honest mistake, uh, who probably could dispute a punishment, they never do. They always come to the old look, I'm sorry, it was a honest mistake, I'll take care of whatever. Like if you break something at a party, you know, like you knock something over by mistake, and, you know, if it's an honest mistake and you break something, you could probably say, oh, it's a mistake, I'm really, but what do you do? You go, oh, I'm sorry, I'll pay for that. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to break your plate, I'll, I'll take care of that. It, but people who have no right, who have really tried to screw somebody, they're always the ones who fight about it. Yeah. So yeah, these people who allegedly trash Richie's place and get him hit with a fine, what do they do? Do they confess? Do they cop? No, they hit him with a Jack Daniels bottle. I mean, seriously. This is a, people really are just a plague on this world. They are. Every one of them. Yep. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, I, I, we talked about that, uh, that woman at the magical car wash who high-pressured her two-year-old daughter. She, has, she used high-pressure tactics? She has just been arrested. Oh, good. Excellent. So she won't be at the magical car wash to bring your daughter with a hose anymore. High-pressure tactics. Mm-hmm. Also from Florida comes word. From where? Florida. Damn it. If I've already started it, then it's going oh, like a for second. three. Damn. All right. Sorry, Tim. A man who was rescued from the jaws of an alligator by deputies and taken into custody uh, has now been spotted naked and apparently stalking an alligator. <laughs> Officers found an abandoned pickup next to a pond and investigated. Uh, they found this fellow in the water, and he was naked, stalking an alligator. I'm Beowulf. Don't you just want some one big webcam that just shows you all of this crap going on in Florida all the time? And that's an entire state of just utter chaos. So this guy told deputies he was bitten by a snake, but was now looking for an alligator. Uh-huh. He's been uh, transported to a regional medical center. Uh, four officers rescued this same fellow from the jaws of an alligator back in November. He faces possible charges in connection with, uh, whatever he did. Well, okay. Stocking an alligator naked. I'm not sure what kind of law that is in Florida. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of a crime that would be, if any. 
Uh, all right. Uh, do you want to hear this horrible, uh, awkward soundbite from KNBC? Oh, I do, yes. All right, hold on. Let me find this here. Uh, let me just take a... Uh, let me take a brief moment here while I finish this uh, cup of enjoyable coffee. So um, I had a couple people send this to me. Uh, one was named Tom, and I forget the other guy's name, so I apologize. Um, so this is from this is from KNBC, and this is from the LA Marathon, uh, which happened. It's a yearly event, is it not? Yes. All right. So the LA Marathon happened on uh, the fifth, which would have been Sunday, I believe. No, I guess that doesn't make any sense because today is the seventh. So the 5th would have been, what, Wednesday? Yeah. So I guess this happened Wednesday during the day, Wednesday morning, whenever the marathon is run. How many people run in the L.A. Marathon? Do you know? Quite a few. I mean, it's a huge... Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. It's not like the Boston Marathon, but it's massive. I mean, you don't see that many people on the street on a regular day. No, no, of course not. Uh, and so, anyway, this is um, from the KNBC coverage of the L.A. Marathon. This is uh, a broadcaster named Tony uh, Rivas, they've said. Um, so he is a KNBC, I guess he's done the marathon every year for like however long. Um, so this is all one long take and you'll hear the ambient noise when the pause comes and then you'll hear, and then you'll hear him, hear him pick it up again. So here's what's happening and you don't really need to see the video for this to work, but I will just, I'll, I'll set the stage for you. So they're doing the marathon and the camera shot of this, it's the marathon and it's a guy who is he's in the lead he's there's no other run, there's no other other runners in the frame i mean he's he's so far in the lead that he's the only one in the shot and it's a white guy so there is a white guy who is you know in the lead he's i guess currently running in first place or whatever he's the only person in the shot having left all the other uh, runners behind so johnny white guy is running having left everybody in his dust you'll hear the guy Make doing the little play-by-play. -play. The guy makes makes the comment. Then you will hear the longest, most awkward pause in all of broadcast history. And then the guy realizes no no one is coming to his defense, and so he just picks it up himself as though nothing had happened, trying to just sort of trying to just sort of move on. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give you mar marathon coverage. No. This is the sort of thing that can only come with a live sporting event. Marathon coverage on KNBC. Uh, Dimitri probably has at least 200, 300 meters. And he's rolling along. And he was a late entry to the race. He came in late. Uh, we know he's run 64 minutes for the half marathon, but he's looking very good. Well, Ed, is it one of these matters where the, the Kenyans and Ethiopians, they see, uh, let's, let's, let's be honest here, see a white guy out front and they don't take him seriously? Well, here's a look at that breakaway. That's what Ed was talking about. It's not really... Yes? Did you hear that? It's like Jim Roop's... The end of Jim Roop's theme. No, I didn't. I swear to God. Really? During the pause, I heard the... Maybe. Well, it is in Los Angeles. So they might have been playing I Love L.A. somewhere. They totally were. Yeah, that's interesting. But how great is that pause where he says that, and then everybody else kind of goes, well, what should we say? Let's say nothing. And then it just drags out... And then finally, he just decides, 
Well, I'll just pl- I'll just plunge on ahead, as though nothing has happened. Let's listen one more time. Uh, Dimitri probably has at least 200, 300 meters, and he's rolling along. And he was a late entry to the race. He came in late. Uh, we know he's run 64 minutes for the half marathon, but he's looking very good. Well, Ed, is it one of these matters where the the Kenyans and Ethiopians, they see uh, let's, let's let's be honest here, see a white guy out front, and they don't take him seriously. Well, here's a look at that breakaway. There you go. Is the guy just standing there? Yeah, no, there's just no one answering him. He just, he throws the, well, they don't take white runners seriously, do they? And then everyone else just kind of goes, I'm not answering that. And they just, <laughs> they just let it, and it's like the most awkward, because it's a live feed. I mean, it's a live television, and the guy's just hanging there like, come on. It's funny, because am I right or am I right? Come on, you know, and it's just like he's you truly and then he he himself just tries to pick it up and I think he just he just plunges on ahead. So there you go. I'm going to play that later on again at the show. Here's Tim Riley. Well, employers slash 63,000 jobs in February, the most in 5 years, and the starkest sign yet that the country is heading dangerously toward recession, or maybe they're in one already. The latest snapshot of the nation's employment climate underscores the heavy toll of the housing and credit crisis on companies, job seekers, and the overall economy. To provide relief to persistent credit problems, the Federal Reserve announced today it will increase the amount of loans it plans to make available to banks this month to $100 billion. So go ahead. Borrow at least $1 billion. Get yourself that. into debt right now. Uh, don't forget to buy that new HDTV that you've been wanting. <laughs> buy it on, buy something on margin. Uh, higher on the Rick, buy something rent to own today. Higher on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, before I do this, I wanted to ask if Tim Riley knows anything about what's going on up on 92nd Avenue in Southeast. 92nd and what, sir? Uh, 92nd and Holgate, just on the north side of Holgate. Uh, I don't know, Tim, 92nd and Holgate? Not at this moment, but we'll look into it. A series of shootings, I would imagine. Well, no, actually, there's a house of fire. And that must be a house fire. Yeah. Did you really just ask, did you really just describe a house on fire and then say, what's going on? Well, hey, um... I don't want to scoop Tim Riley. <laughs> okay. Fair it, appears that house <laughs> it appears that the house This just in. It appears that a house may be on fire uh, well, in Southeast. house is most definitely on fire, but... Uh, There's yeah, a definite house is... fire going on. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. What, what else do you have today, sir? Um, happy birthday, Rick. Thank you. And, uh, yeah... Nothing. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yeah, Tim, you know, our, uh, uh, Rick, I was listening to that awkward uh, newscaster. Yes. Uh, it sounds like in the background there's actual crickets. I could hear that, too. That? I could hear that, too. There are, you can actually hear crickets chirping in the background. Let's play it one more time, shall we? Uh, Dimitri probably has at least 200, 300 meters, and he's rolling along. And he was a late entry to the race. He came in late. Uh, we know he's run 64 minutes for the half marathon, but he's looking very good. Well, Ed, is it one of these matters where the, the Kenyans and Ethiopians, they see, uh, let's, let's, let's be honest here, see a white guy out front and they don't take him seriously? Well, here's a look at that. Right <laughs> You're right. I can hear crickets. You're right. That's fantastic. And I did not add those. Yeah. I didn't add those crickets. God just put them there for us, sir. Best day ever. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Excellent.
All right. Live broadcast. Here's Tim Riley. NBC and Jerry Seinfeld are both shooting down a New York Post report today, saying that the comic was in talks with the network to start a new sitcom. The report said uh, Seinfeld will play himself in a New York series similar to Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's nothing to it, said NBC. And uh, Seinfeld spokespeople said the same thing. We appreciate the enthusiasm. That means that there were talks, but that they've broken off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because NBC has a bad track record with denying things to the New York Post that are almost always true. We are not pushing Johnny Carson out. We are not giving the job to Jay Leno. We have not offered Jay Leno's job to David Letterman. All of those things true. All of them denied to the New York Post by NBC. Uh, Comcast Sports Network says it will no longer knock the name of a Massachusetts town. The name of the town is Athol. Uh, it's true. It's a town How outside spell, of Worcester. Spell it, please. Athol. <laughs> please to spell. A-T-H-O-L. Athol. That's right. Athol. Where is Athol? It's west of Worcester. Uh-huh. <laughs> when was... When was... Athol. 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 Athol is Ath a town of 11,000. It is believed to have been named after the Scottish Duke Athol, who died two years after the town was incorporated in 1762. So it is named after the Duke of Athol. Athol. Athol is the name of Ath Athol. Where is this being mocked? On Comcast Cable. But I mean... It's, it's their Vancouver, apparently. It's, it's what they make. No, but I mean, in what, on, on, the, on the news... Uh, yeah, uh, on like, sports. Oh, I see. So there's a sportscaster somewhere who's making fun of it. Uh, how could you, it's how could you not? Well, here's the Perun. All right, then. Maybe I pronounced that wrongly. Athol. Athol. A-T-H-O-L. Yeah, Athol. It's the name Athol. of a town. Athol. Athol? Yeah. Athol. Mm -hmm. I don't know. See, now I don't even know. I All right. Athol. Athol. Like Bothell? Yeah. Okay. With an ah. Uh. With an ah. Uh. You know, that doesn't matter as long as they keep the slow ski commercials. That's all I care about. It was named after the Duke of Athol. <laughs> Are you of the, uh... Never mind. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Athol. Yes. It's you. Is this the Duke? It's you. All right, thanks. Why do people do that? Why do people know. call and then stay you know, there? Whenever I've called, I've had a hard time listening, like, when you pick up. Really? Yeah, I mean, but that might just be me because I've only called in a few times. Maybe. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, an Italian senior citizen who got her head stuck in a railing in her garden uh, sat there for two days. <laughs> Francesca I'm Bellucci. I shouldn't laugh. Was only free when her uh, grocer reported she had not come in to collect her groceries. She was kept free by firefighters in the railings, which rang alongside the stairs of her home. Uh, the local grocer called emergency services when he was worried about her. She came in every day, and one day she did not. Then another day she did not. She says she slipped as she was going down the stairs and got her head caught in the railing. None of her neighbors heard her cries for help. A British teenager refused a knee operation after surgeons told them there could be a dead rat in the operating room. Andrew Cowper walked out of the operating room, and after it was apologized for the stench in the room... And assured them that the staff was trying to find the dead rat. The teenager who waited 11 months to get his knee operation said, well, apparently it said the smell did not represent a health risk, but he was appalled. Uh, so he was told ahead of time what the smell was. 
If there was a dead rat there, others could be rotting nearby. The dead rat was later found in the roof in another part of the hospital. Jesus. I remember when I was in uh, fourth or fifth grade, I remember that there was a uh, a mouse or a rat or something that had died inside one of the heaters, uh, the heating vents in the school, and they couldn't. And of course, it was an old school, so they couldn't. Uh, all the heating vents were connected. It was, was one big furnace, and the furnace shot the hot air up through the ductwork. And then into all of the different classrooms, and it came out the heating vents. So, it, 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 so basically, if there was something in one of the heating vents that was causing a stink, it would go into every classroom, and it, it, there was no way to tell where it came from. And so there was like a mouse or something that died over the winter in one of the heating vents or over the summer. First time, you know, first cold snap, bam, let's turn on the heater. Dead mouse air, uh, air flooding the classrooms uh. everywhere. And it took about three weeks for them to take, because they had to take apart the heaters one section at a time at night and look for the dead mouse and it ended up being way down like in the bowels of the school somewhere so the option we, we you could either go to school in a classroom where it was 30 degrees or you could just breathe in dead rodents all day long uh hi you're on the rick emerson show hello hey, hello it's mailman brian what's hello up to everyone hello. Hey, listen I, as the official uh postal uh, birthday greeter bestower uh, happy birthday rick thank you sir Yes, uh, it only gets better when you get older. So I okay. heard. Thank you. Um, and number two, uh, I, you know, uh, being a delivery person out here driving, listening to Tim's newscast, I have to say the Rick Emerson program, the most dangerous program on the air, uh, because it causes inattention to driving, much like talking on a cell phone while you're driving. You. Well, yes. our goal is to put somebody into a ditch at some point. So let us know well, if that happens. Perhaps the person out on the uh, I-5 was listening to your show. Well. It's possible. I mean, you can put it on the billboard. Okay. But the one last thing is, and this is a callback to the Swayze, uh, just remember, nobody puts baby in the car wash. I'm out. <laughs> okay. That's well, well done, sir. That's pretty great. Fantastic. On that note, uh, we're out. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner with more news. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, well, we will be talking to Stu McMillan uh, from South Sea Connections. Uh, so if you've got questions or comments... Uh, in fact, Richie, let's just go ahead and clear out these calls that are there now. So the folks on hold, thanks for calling, but I think we're going to move on. Uh, so let's clear out these calls here. If you've got questions for the South Sea Connections guy, and I know you do, it's 503-733-2970. Later on, Aaron Duran, copies of Into the Wild on DVD and more. Stay there. said that that town is just south of south of Penneth. All right. Apple? Apple. Apple. I think it's with a U or an O, but you know what? I don't really know. That's it. Ass. Never mind. We'll move on. Otherwise, we're just going to sit here and do that all day. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, coming up later on, Aaron Duran will join us here. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have uh, Aaron's top five. He'll be bringing it with us. Aaron will be doing his own top five. Uh, let's see. What else? I have some other small things to get to. So we'll uh, we'll do some other stuff later on. Uh, emails, your phone calls, and whatnot. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Let's do a few headlines here with Tim Riley. Then we will be uh, joined uh, by um, Stu McMillan uh, from South Sea Connections. 
this, however, is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Vancouver police have arrested a man for stealing copper from a telephone pole. <laughs> Did we just have the story? This is a different fellow. Of course. Uh, this happened at 3.45 this morning. There was a suspicious person looking around a telephone pole at Northeast 109. The caller stated there was a man stealing copper wire. Well, they found the man. He was in his late 40s, matching the description. They questioned him, and then they found a stash of four strips of copper wire. The man is a Vancouver resident who is currently homeless, and he pawned scrap metal to get by. The man would probably get about $20 for the wire, but it would cost more than $500 to repair the damage that he caused. It's just Well, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to an interview last night with David Simon, who's the guy that creates uh, created the show The Wire. And on The Wire, there is... There's this uh, character who's a junkie and who is always stealing, doing this exact thing. He's pushing on a shopping cart around Baltimore, or Balmer, as they say, uh, stealing wire and, 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 and copper and metal and piping and whatever. And the guy at one point talked about how, you know, like he, he had to dis disassemble like a $10,000 like heating system at a business or something that he vandalized. He basically broke into a business and he took apart their furnace and sold the metal for drug money. And it was like a $10,000 furnace for which he received like $55 from the scrap company. So it seems like with the time and effort it would take you to... And now... Oh. Yes. What? Oh, we have something interesting coming up here. Okay. Well, whatever. I'm just saying, it seems like it would take a long time and a lot of effort to disassemble like like a multi-ton piece of metal to get into the scrap car. You could probably get a job and earn more money than that in that time. But, you know, metro metro traffic is hiring, for example. Uh, all right, what do we have? I'm stealing this one from K2, and I'm admitting I am because it's such a great story. All right. It is entitled, Dirty Trickster is Dropping Ding-Dongs into Dryers. This is a security camera. At an Arkansas laundromat, catching a dastardly deed on tape, okay. a man is spiking dryers with ding-dongs. An attentive customer and, noticed And the by ding-dongs, you mean? The, the, the chocolate cake. Ah, okay. Oh, ding -dong. That thought maybe it was code for something else. Like no, no. Hook them on uh, your clothes? Yeah. No, no, he's not dropping his ding-dong, but... The, 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 <laughs> I think, this in, I, think I think we're talking about <laughs> this town of a thole. Uh, <laughs> I think we're talking about two different kinds of ding-dong here, or perhaps three. Right. He's not leaving his own ding-dong in the dryer. These are his ding-dongs. No, it's pronounced Athula. <laughs> so here's the story I stole from Kate. Warning for anyone who washes clothes at a laundromat, you might want to look inside the machines before you put your clothes in. This is a guy in Arkansas. He's caught on camera putting chocolate ding-dongs into the dryer. Well, luckily, a man doing his laundry noticed the hostess treat before putting his own clothes inside. That is creative the crime. now faces a misdemeanor charge of disorderly conduct. I had to actually think what a ding-dong was versus a ho-ho versus... <laughs> a ding-dong is a circular ho-ho. So, these are chocolate ding-dongs. <laughs> Not the other kind. Not the other kind. Because <laughs> that would hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, four more hopefuls have lost their shot at being the next American Idol. On last night's episode, the top 12 singers were revealed. The host, Ryan Seacrest, had to break the bad news to people. Here he is now. Well... Wait just a minute. I know there's a big payoff here because we want to hear Ryan Seacrest, don't we, more than anything else. Katie, I'm sorry. Tonight is the end of the line. Asia, you are going home tonight. And what? Asia's being sent home. Leaving hey, Asia. tonight. Chikisi, <laughs> take a seat. You're in the top 12. 
Congratulations to you, which means Danny loses tonight. Asia's being sent home. All right. So Asia Epperson was asked to say something to her fans, and Paula Abdul gives an enthusiastic review of her farewell performance. Thank you, um, and um, thank you all you guys for the opportunity. This was amazing, and um, this won't be the last time that you see me. Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. <laughs> Go home. All right. Uh, let me just take this opportunity on behalf of Skyler to say that uh, Beaverton is filled with whores and bastards. Here's Tim Riley. So we hear. Yes. They're next but Nazi flags. At least there are 33 pilots in Canada, including some high-flying commercial airliners that complained about being flashed in the eyes with bright lights believed to be lasers. Canada's transport ministry says it is permanent the complaints. They started in 2005. All they know is it's a bright light that's shown into the cockpit. They don't know, in fact, if it's a laser. Laser? I barely knew her. None of the pilots involved suffered any eye damage. But U.S. troops uh, coming home, they're finding have permanent hearing loss. These are soldiers and Marines caught in roadside bombings and firefights in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're coming home with permanent hearing loss and ringing of the ears. Hearing damage is the number one disability on the war on terror. Nearly 70,000 or more of the 1.3 million troops who served in the war zones have collective disability of hearing. That's 70,000 people. Well, at least that's a lot of people. At least we punished the country that sent all the bombers over here. 58,000 on disability due to hearing loss. Jesus. I mean, 58,000. I mean, look, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, and we all know people who either have uh, been over there or are over there, and, uh, you know, it's just... It's one of the... And we've talked about that before, but it's one of those things that you just can't think about too much, the way that veterans... uh, not even the way the veterans are treated, but I mean, just just the amount of the staggering amount of of uh, injuries, and not just because you always you only really hear about the the, the two ends of the spectrum. I think so. I don't want to be the buzzkill today, but you two ends of the well, spectrum. Only when you, politicians visit once in a while. Well, you hear about you hear about soldiers who have been killed. You hear about that you're not allowed to, apparently to see their caskets anymore. That's been forbidden. But you hear about soldiers that are killed, and then you hear about soldiers that have, you know, sort of minor injuries. You know, like you'll see the guy who, like, you know, you'll see the guy that, like, lost his thumb. But now he's been given a brand new robot thumb. But you don't hear about the guys, like, in the middle. Like, you don't hear about the guy that is still alive, but, like, half his face doesn't work. Uh, or the guy who's, you know, came back and he's still alive, but you know what? Nothing from the waist down. Just gone. So you'd, those are the kind that have been sort of cleverly concealed from us. Gee, 50,000 people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It really is. Um, all right. Uh, well, here's an email. This is ironic. Or not ironic. Right. What's the word I'm looking for? This is, this is appropriate. It's strangely appropriate. We don't have to get to it now. Uh, this is an email about Sarah dating people uh, uh, the opposite of what her instincts tell her to do. Sarah dating people whose instincts... You know what I'm trying to say. I know what you're trying date to say. people the opposite of what you, what you would normally date. This is a good opportunity, though. Richie, let's welcome and out of the Rick Emerson show, uh, Stu McMillan. Do you have the spot, Sarah? I do. Let's yeah. uh, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson show, uh, Stu McMillan. Richie's going to bring him into the studio, and uh, we'll get him set up on this microphone here. And uh, let's go ahead and play this commercial. Now, this is you, uh, let me before please. we play this. Let me just let me let me just say it's going crazy. Uh, th- th- this is not. Uh, it's not, it's not an infomercial. This is not like a paid uh, thing. We're not bringing him on for that. Uh, now, he's one of our many fine advertisers, whom we love and respect. Uh, but this spot plays, and I, we get email about it, or people either call about it. And so uh, anytime there's that much interest in something, we are obligated as part of our uh, as part of our quest to entertain and amuse to discuss it. So let's play the spot. This has been airing on uh, on this very fine radio station. You, please. Who is that? No way. Keep moving. Uh, I don't date ball, guys. <laughs> guys, if trying to find love is taking its toll on you, 
Listen up. South Sea Connections, a local Portland-based company, is holding four seminars on their proven, systematic program that connects nice guys like you with compatible, available, attractive women in Asia. Visit SouthSeaConnections.com for more information and to sign up as seating is limited to 45 men per session. Dates are Saturday and Sunday, March 29th and 30th at the Gresham Holiday Inn, and Saturday and Sunday, April 5th and 6th at the Southwest Portland Shiloh Inn. Each session runs from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and costs just $195. Age, income, and body type don't matter. South Sea Connections has helped all kinds of guys find love, happiness, and some, even a new lease on life. It's really amazing what love can do. And all it costs is $195. And you'll be chatting with women before the end of the seminar. Ask those who have already done it, and they'll tell you it's worth ten times the price and more. Reserve your seat now at SouthSeaConnections.com. Somebody found the metal room reverb setting on Pro Tools, by the way. Who is that? Can you play just the beginning? Who, I'm gonna, who's the first girl that's talking there? We're trying to figure out who voiced that. Because Kristen Bowie is the, uh, she doesn't pay ball guys. You please. No way. Keep moving. Uh, that no way, no way keep, keep moving. moving. It sounds that really. Sounded fr- kind of like I think it, Bowie again. It sounds like it might be Bridget. I wonder if it's Bridget. She'll listen to it again. Yeah, one more time. Okay. You please. No way. Keep moving. That's I totally think that's Bridget. Right. I think that's completely okay. Bridget. All right, guys. If all right, to there you go. Uh, all right, so let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from South Sea Connections, Stu McMillan. Hello, how are you? Good. Happy birthday. Thank. Thank <laughs> you so much. Are we gonna hug again? No hugs. All right, I want to. You didn't get a sticker. You didn't get an I hugged Rick Emerson sticker that you can use to horrify everybody for the rest of the day. I'm crushed. All right. I walked out into the the hallway and I was again, and uh, Lisa Adams uh, from moving and then Stu were out there and they, uh, anyway, laying in wait for me. I've been ambushed by a hug once again. All right. So this, so the spot has been playing. And it, it and every time it airs, I get guys who email me uh, questions about it. And girls, girls actually. Just out of curiosity. All right. So first off, so now are you? Did you start this? Are you? Uh, do you do you work for them? Do you are you the, the guy behind the guy? What is your connection to the company? I am the guy. You are the guy. So uh, so Stu McMillan is South Sea Connections. Please tell us. I am South Sea Connections. All right. Absolutely. So how did this start? This started. I've been traveling to Asia for the last eight to ten years, and I have a lot of contacts over there. And after going to Asia for a long time and getting to know the Asian people over there and coming back over here and seeing a lot of my, well, my age, a little older, 56, a lot of men in my age group who didn't like the normal dating scene, so we started connecting the Asian women to the men over here, and it worked out fabulous. So now what do you mean when you say Asia? Because, for, of course, Iraq is Asian. <laughs> more more of the, well, consider more of the Japanese, Filipino, Taiwan type of type of Asia okay and so this is now are you uh, what does that guy say to you I'm not only I'm also a client are you also a client <laughs> I am have you met you have met a, a love now are, if I can ask an Asian girlfriend bride how does it is a girls that want to get married yeah yes. what yeah what, what exactly is it the girl the girls over there in most of the girls over there that I'm dealing with you have to understand they're primarily in countries that have 40% unemployment they're smart they're highly educated and they're looking to, to get out, they want they want to get out, but they want to get out with somebody that they love. They don't want to just find somebody, then you know, we'll call it. I don't know how to say that, but just find somebody to get out. No, they really, truly want to find a true U.S. American, Australian, or Canadian man to marry. 
Now, is this just now? Do you just deal with America, though? This is just uh, is this like a, a uh, what's sort of a franchise? Branches? But I mean, yeah. is this like a company no. that exists all over the world, or is it just? No, this is our target market. We started. Um, I took a focus group. I've been working with individual men for many years. And what I did in January is I, I put together a focus group of about ten guys and said, okay, can I really do this on a bigger scale? So I brought ten guys in and we started them in January. So what was it now? When you say you started a focus group, how did that? Well, guys, here's a hot Asian girl. Thumbs up, thumbs down. (laughs) I found, actually, Craigslist put together 10 guys and said, okay, I'm Craigslist. Are you lonely in this? Will you you come in and see if I can help you? And so we started a focus group, and we put it together, and uh, eight out of the 10 guys are uh, extremely happy. Uh, Okay, so one of the the questions that I got is uh, people said, well, why why Asia? Why not uh, girls from Africa, girls from Scandinavia, girls from whatever? I have to I have to center focus. There are other other groups out there. If you want Russian women, there are people that'll take you on a Russian tour. There are people that'll take you to India. There are people that'll take you to other parts of the uh, other parts of the world. I have to stay focused on on Asia. I have my friends there. I sponsor nurses there, so I have the contacts. All right. Uh, so, so what about um, um in the article or the ad you're saying that um so American you, women were? Are you tired of the high maintenance American woman yeah. dating scene? Yeah. So I wanted to know exactly like. What, that what does high maintenance mean? And I'm not taking personal offense to this. No, and I, I don't. And, and don't. <laughs> most, of, most of the men. We're actually going to be replacing Sarah with an Asian lady <laughs> later on in the week. Perfect. Most of the men that I have dealt with in the past are fairly wealthy men, and some of them have lost their wives to cancer or to divorce and so forth, but they're, but they're fairly well-to-do. And what they found in their dating scene when they were going back out and dating is a lot of the women were looking at them for the materialistic standpoint, and they didn't want that. They wanted somebody to find that was interested in their heart first, and money just happened to be, be along. So I've definitely found some very, made some very wonderful matches throughout the years. Yeah. So uh, how is it that Asian women find your company? So guys hear the spot, or they see the, the website, or they're on Craigslist or whatever. So that's how the guys find the company. So the, the Asian woman of my dreams, how would she find you guys? Fortunately, we have a lot of contacts. I have been sponsoring nurses in the Philippines for a long time. And the way the nursing program is, if I'm going to sponsor you as a nurse and you're going to accept my donations as a nurse, what I want to do when you go out, because chances are you're not going to work in the Philippines. The Philippines spread last year 130,000 nurses throughout the world. So what I want you to do is I want you to send 5% of what you make for four years or 4% for five years back to the school and we'll sponsor more. So this year, 43 out of 60 nurses in one particular school are all from me. So these girls won out. So I have contacts. You, in, as part of the service, if people were working with me, I not just want to have, well, I'll have a little saying that I'll give you in a second, but if I'm working with you as a client, I'm going to find out about you, find out what you're looking at in a woman, and then I'm going to go to the contacts that I have, and chances are you're going to have five or six women coming at you. You're going to be the pursued. So, that's, so that's my next question. So you, got, uh, you brought in some photos, actually. I have some, so many some, questions, too, and you keep beating me, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say, you, you have, so you have photos of dudes uh, with, the, with the Asian uh, ladies. So, so, what is it, so, so guys go... To the seminar, and obviously I know you want guys to go to the seminar, so you're not not expecting you to kind of give everything away here. But guys go to the seminar, and you kind of walk them through it. But when it means, when it comes to, is this like a video dating thing? Like you bring in like a bunch of, like a DVD, like here are your nine women that are your matches with personality, and then the guy says, number five, please. (laughs) We're going to use the Internet. You sign up for my class. But when you walk in the seminar, I'm going to have, by the time I give you your password to your Internet site, there are going to be at least seven women 
who have already written you that are interested in you based upon your profile. Now, do all the women, um, are they all uh, English-speaking women? They are all English-speaking women. And uh-huh. how many people have you matched up? <sighs> Probably about 80. Now, is this, now they're not, uh, <clears throat> because they're from Asia, they're not, um, how does it work with them not being citizens? And everything. So, so like, we a, a weird yep. same thing. But I mean, it's a long waiting list. Like, if a guy meets, uh, if a guy is um, Japanese later, or whatever, that he really hits it off with. I mean, does it? And I hate to use this phrase, but I mean, I was. It's, Lycus was actually just talking about this yesterday with uh, somebody about just even, uh, you know, it's just the regular, the every the regular the old immigration and becoming a naturalized. It just takes forever now post nine eleven because everybody has to go through the ringer. It does, does it take my, a long time. Or? Yes, it does. My nurses used to get, go. Actually, if I sponsor you, a nurse used to be able to get right into a Colorado hospital. They would take you immediately. Now I can't do that. If you want to come in here, you actually find that there are four immigration spots in the in the country. Unfortunately, the West Coast is the most overrun. It's going to take you if you for a fiance visa somewhere between nine months and fourteen months. So if a guy, so you, it's on the internet and he. Uh, and we're talking to uh, Stu McMillan, who's from uh, South Sea Connections. We've had that uh, the spot that we, people have heard. So a guy goes to the seminar. He signs up. He goes on the internet. It hits it off with where you know he sees some women who have contacted him. Now, what is the next? Does he does he does he go there to meet them, or what is it? Or is it solely over the internet? Or yeah, no. Chances are he's going to go there. But what I want him to do though is pick his top three, and this is where most guys make their mistakes. And this is why the seminar, where most guys make their mistakes, is they set themselves up for one female. And if they go over there, and that's disappointing. No. I want you to set yourself up. So if you're going to fly into Hong Kong, you're going to meet a gal in Hong Kong. You're going to go to Bangkok. You're going to meet another gal there. You're going to fly back to Hong Kong, meet gal number two, and you're going to come back and go, whoa, wasn't that fabulous. Can I tell you that so our PA, Richie Bristol, you met. Richie is just typing in all caps and letters, yes, 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 I'm there. So <laughs> yeah. I, think, yeah, I think Richie may be attending your seminar in lovely Gresham. I, I, I have a statement that, that I kind of make, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because my statement to this whole thing is give me your dating impaired, give me your geeks, Give me your nerds. Give me your overweight. Give me your ball. You know what? This is a, this is our uh, mission statement as well. It's funny you should say. <laughs> yeah, and I will change your life. You will have by the end of the week by attending my seminar. You will have 21 women who are chasing you. You are going to be the chase, not the chaser anymore. Oh, well, so how does the seminar work? Like when so these men are all in a room. Like how? What happens? I walk you through the whole thing. Why are these girls? If you look in the back, guys are, uh, back of your photos, you'll see some of the pictures. There's there's the competition on the very back photos. You look at the back photos, and unfortunately you can't th- see these in the radio. But that's where these women come from. Most of the women that come from these poor countries... Maybe like, it doesn't like, look like a real upscale no, uh, area. You they, know, the, the, gals, yeah. the gals there that are in the front and most of the gals that, that you meet, I mean, they come from poor countries. They don't know what a refrigerator is. Now, do, are, guys, are guys embarrassed when they come to you about this? Do guys, are they... Is it a thing? I mean, do you have to get them through it? Do they, they feel weird about it? They're meek in the beginning, and two weeks later, if you take an over overweight guy and he starts getting online, and all of a sudden he comes home and he's got 12 women are after him, he starts feeling self-esteem. You can see the weight go off him. There's one picture in there of, of a fellow that I went to uh, Chinese New Year. He didn't he didn't want to go to Hong Kong himself, so of course I'd go with him. So the fellow up in the top left, and he yeah uh huh. There's Jim. Uh, and Jim's just a, a great guy, and uh, he met this gal. She's 40 years old, and they just hit it off. And he didn't need me, but I was there for him. And they just had a fabulous time. And Hong Kong is a fabulous place to go because they got Disneyland. It's the cleanest city in the world. It's just, it's just wonderful. Uh, I got an email earlier. Uh, let's see, it was from uh, I think it was from Jonathan who emailed in. He said because we we had talked about your ad, and it said uh, it said uh, let's see. Um, 
uh, we will introduce you to beautiful, slim, unegotistical, caring, non-materialistic da -da 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 women. It was his ad, I think it was in the, the Willamette. And uh, the guy, he had two questions. First was he wanted to know, he, he said, well, what, what do you mean by unegotistical? <laughs> That's a good ad, ad catcher. I mean, <laughs> these women are so down to earth and so honest. They're not looking for your billfold. They're happy if you live in an apartment. You don't have to have the big house. They don't care if you have a car. They just truly want somebody to love. And if you look at the competition, the competition over there is a guy who's a day laborer making two bucks a day. So here's the thing. Don't introduce them to anybody in radio then, because there will be no uh, there'll be no change then. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, got a question for him. Yes, sir. Uh, how does he screen them to uh, verify that they're just not looking for an immigration visa to come over? The reason I'm asking, my, bro my brother-in-law married a Ukrainian woman under the same circumstances you're talking about here, and as soon as she hit this country, she was gone. So how does he stop that? My first rule of thumb is stay away from Russia, stay away from Ukrainian women. Well, you know, there are more scams know, over there. Fifty percent of them are scams. Well, yeah, I know. So how do you know that this isn't a scam as opposed to Ukrainian? So I guess the guy wants to know if you hook up. If, just let me, if I can just sort of say, I guess what he's saying is, how do you know that a woman's uh, you know into a guy for for love? Absolutely, and the way I know that is because the girls, especially the ones that I sponsor on my site, they are known by the girls who I have sponsored in the nursing schools. So we're not coming at this necessarily from a random standpoint, mm -hmm. and that's in their background. So I've seen bit. their background. They know the girls, and the girls know each other. So uh, Christine, who is my number one person in the Philippines and is, is a paid employee over there, her whole job is to do nothing but, but screen the girls. And if I get a new girl in that lives in a different part of the Philippines, she'll call them up on the phone. She'll talk to them, and we'll connect with them. All right. Uh, we had uh, this, this, the second part of this, guys. Uh, email, uh, and you touched on part of it. You said that you feel like women are uh, in America, like out for your money or the wallet or the what. Now, did you have that experience? Is that, I mean, was that your thing? Did you just wake I up one day and say, hell with them? I did. And so what was your, what is your story, Stuart <laughs> McMillan? What was the day you had enough? When I ran into two gentlemen, one of them at, at the time, this is about 10 years ago, he was 63. He'd lost his uh, wife to cancer when uh, he was about 59. He was having a horrible dating thing. Well, the Art Bell story, okay? He was a friend of Art Bell. Art Bell had married a Filipino gal. Yes. Well, they were friends, so he decided to do the same. I learned from the best. Um, I said I'd give it a try. And so, all right, well, let's get the, this is Owen, I think. Hi, Owen, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, how are you? Hey, hey don't you dare touch a hair on Sarah's head. <laughs> um, what I wanted to say was, you know, there's no guarantees. You know, glorified pimp comes to mind, though. I bet, I'm sorry, that's about the only thing. Because there are no guarantees what, what the dating thing is. My brother has been married to two South American women, and both of them have taken him for a big-time ride. Well, so what is so how do you respond? To, I know you say yeah. a big letter, like, we are not an escort service. So how do you respond to people who say, uh, say something like that, that you're just, you're paid, you know, whatever, matchmaker or whatever the... Well... One of the things is, and as part of the seminar, I'm not going to give it all away, but one of the first things you do and part of the seminar and one of the reasons for the seminar is I hear these type of stories all the time. And one of the first things in is where was your attorney and where was your prenup? So is it, that was going to be actually, it's funny you said, it was actually going to be one of my questions. Is, yeah. So do you tell 
I mean, do, do uh, you tell the guys, no, they got to go to the lawyers, that they, you, they, to make it legal, that whatever? And we, we've got the least expensive attorneys and some of the best ones here in Portland to keep the cost down. It's not $10,000. It's not that gal that I'm working on right now. It's 900 bucks. We've been at it for nine months, and she should be here in a couple, three months. That was going to be my next question. So if a guy goes, goes to seminar, you, whatever, you put, you know, he meets women online or whatever, and he says, I, this is the woman for me. Like, what is the, what is the A to Z time in you know, that she's over here, uh, you know, living with him. A to Z time is somewhere between 9 and 14 months, depending upon the number of applications that are going through San Francisco. And they are hiring back. I don't know if you saw the paper, but the immigration people are hiring back 100,000 workers that have retired, and they're hiring them back on a uh, uh, part-time basis to help speed up the, the current immigration process. All right. Uh, so the website is southseaconnections.com. Uh, and the uh, the seminar is coming up. Uh, w- uh, it starts March 29th. Living in the Emerson brand, as they say. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So, all right. Thank and you. if some of the guys have uh, any ideas on how to change the advertising around so it's more attractive to them, write us. I'm always open. I uh, all right. I I was trying to search for a punchline, but I have nothing. All right, <laughs> Stu McMillan. All right, thank you, sir. All right, take a break. Come back after this. Aaron Geek in the city. Duran will join us around the corner. Uh, top five and all these. So there's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. Emerson radio program. What? Are you deaf? What are you doing over there? Did Aaron hit his nose on something? Oh, he just snapped. His headphones snapped on his face. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So there you go. Oh, I should ask Richie. Hold on. I should ask Richie if he tried to weasel his way into a free... uh... It's called Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. By Odeon. Wait, is he gone? I think he was in the kitchen. Oh, you know he's in the kitchen? So he's going to hear that in 40 oh, seconds. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Richie will hear that in about 30 seconds from now. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from geekinthecity.com. And, oh, is that me? I keep forgetting. That's you that has Scott Sander. I have Aaron. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Film Fever Radio and geekinthecity.com. The one and only Aaron Duran. I'm going to change this. I think it's yeah. about time for I've got one. Sarah, can you sweeten my mic a little bit? Can we actually de-sweeten <laughs> or Aaron's something? Mic a little bit? God, people. <laughs> a little overdriven. I'm only one woman. Sarah, can you make me sound sexy? Oh, sorry. I don't have a button don't. for that. No, I was gonna, there's no, there's no button strong enough. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, when I was in the, when I was in the you green. Are, this is too what? loud, Aaron. Yeah, you're overdriven. I don't know. Well, the I other guy was. You just wanted to say he sweetened my mind. No, the the other yeah. guy was kind of soft spoken. So Stu was a little on the quiet side, so we had to crank him up. Right. Um, but uh, you missed what Richie and I were talking about in the green when you guys were interviewing him, because hmm. Richie was complaining that like we're well, not complaining, but he was wondering why the, he didn't get any Vietnamese women. And then Richie looked at me and he says, well, I think I know why. He says, Vietnamese are kind of like the Asian Mexicans. Nobody wants them. <laughs> Is that Richie? Richie Bristol said that. Yes. Richie, an Asian man. Richie, an Asian man. I did have to agree with him, you, though. a Mexican. I did have to agree with him. Okay, so we've got all our bases covered. We both agreed, however, that Japanese are like the Asian English. How so? Stuffy and uh, proper. Well, I could, uh, you know what? And just We were breaking it down in there. Chinese were Americans because they got all the power right now. And here's, well, here's, the, and here's the thing. Is that the Japanese... 
I think they are the closest we have uh, to some uh, just exponentially advanced society. Yeah. Like you always hear about, you know, um, what is that... Um, God, what is that sci-fi movie? Oh, it, I, you know, I think I'm thinking of of Douglas Adams. Uh, anyway, blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. It, 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 you know what it is? Here's here's what here's what Japan is like in terms of creation and science and like the stuff that they invent. They are like that Cyberdyne company in T2, where it turns out that <laughs> right. like they found the artifacts from the future, and that's why they were able to create such advanced microchips. I think the Japanese found. Like a whole, uh, they found like a whole Skynet thing that like fell from a thousand years in the future, and that's why they're able to make toilets that uh, you know that sing to you or whatever it is. Yeah, and they're just and uh, underwear vending machines. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so before, uh, did, you, did you bring a twenty-sided die? I bring this to you, young man. And now, in your own it, crown it, royal it bag. Crown royal bag. Indeed, it is. So I actually, I actually bought you a brand new one because a brand new D twenty. Yes, because gamers have a superstition that. I can't roll it. It can't be one of my old D20s, otherwise it won't roll correctly. Oh, my God. Really? And it's Sith-colored. It can't start it this is. early. There's still 50 minutes. It's a Sith-colored die. Check that out. 20-sided? Yeah. Now, oh, let me ask you this. Do most gamers use a Crown Royal bag? Real gamers do. <laughs> Unless they go to cafepress.com, for slash geek in the city, and buy one of my gamer bags. Sarah, what did you roll? What was the first roll of the die? 17. Is that good? That's good. All right, there, there you go. go. All I right. say that. All, All right. right, don't. I'm afraid I'm going to in the head. This is going to be you, our Sarah official. You, and Tim are allowed to use that, but you can't let anybody else roll it. No, this is going to be our official contesting mechanism. Cool. From now on on the program. In fact, let's give it a try now, why don't we? It's 503. It's 503-733-297. You need that dice of destiny sounder. 503-733-2970. You'll be playing for a copy of... Now, damn it, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have the copy points. Um... Let's see. I gotta find all. Oh, I gotta find the actual copy points for that Into the Wild DVD. I want to make sure that we do it right. Uh, we'll be playing for a copy of Into the Wild on DVD and HD, HD DVD <laughs> and Blu-ray. Right? You know, if you go to uh, no, no, that's the no. thing. Is it's not on Blu-ray, which <laughs> is the one you want. It's only on HD DVD. It is actually Paramount's last HD DVD release. Yeah. I mean, we have it on regular DVD and HD. Although, I think if you go to Best Buy right now, you can buy an HD DVD player for like five bucks. Really? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Wait, yeah. so I want to buy Blu-ray because I need to get a yeah. new DVD player. Blu-rays, well, no, because you they? don't want Blu-ray though. Because yeah. they're Wait, both gonna... HD. Well, in stop. ten years, they're all going to go away to download anyway. Here's the thing: DVD as a format, meaning little plastic discs for your movies. It's got about ten years left. I. That's another reason why I say CD Game Exchange because it is a matter of time until getting your movie on a little plastic disc is just a thing of the past. Yeah. I mean. You know, right now with our TiVo at home, our TiVo is hooked to our Amazon account, mm -hmm. which we do with like one click, and so we can download, rent, buy movies or TV shows directly onto our TiVo. Yeah. I mean, for like a buck ninety-nine. So, I mean, the HD, DVD, Blu-ray, all that stuff, it's all academic. Don't buy a new player because all of that stuff is going to be gone. And plus, I don't mind. You know, at some point. I just watch DVDs on my um, Mac now. But and plus, I if you don't know. have, if you don't have a real high-end TV. You're just wasting money because yeah, and that's the other thing. You a standard television, yeah, standard television only has the 480 lines of resolutions. So unless you can afford, you know, the HD TVs, don't waste. Yeah, your money. You, that's the thing. Is that's the other thing. If you don't have HD, an, a high definition television, mm -hmm. you won't be able to see the difference. I have a 19 inch screen with rabbit. It in. would, it, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It would, it would be like me playing some really perfectly, flawlessly constructed jazz recording over a ham radio from Finland. Yeah. Although I mean, you realize now we're going to get calls from AV nerds. And I'm going to tell them right now, don't, don't call. call because don't, don't. Stop it. If you're not going to know something on your care. little TV, you're also not going to care. I saw the greatest thing online the other day where they took a bunch of those uh, idiot audio files 
And I'm not talking about guys who appreciate good quality. You know, a lot of guys like Engineer Matt comes to mind, a guy who appreciates good audio quality because he does it for a living. Our old engineer, Jeff McGinley, Brian Jones, all those guys. I'm talking about idiots that buy monster cable for like, God. you know, like $500 a foot. He did this great thing where they took monster cable. Is this the... And then they took coat hangers. Coat hangers, yes. And they did a double-blind comparison test of monster cable, which this is this incredibly expensive audio cable. And then they used metal coat hangers to conduct the sound in the other room. And the, audi and the audio files, so-called, couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> couldn't tell. It was great. And they're like, hey, this is monster cable that cost $1,000. This other one, we were transmitting the sound through coat hangers. And they couldn't if they could not tell the difference. No. Yeah. So that stuff is just a load. So if you're one of those guys, don't call. Plus, the monster company are just, they're just bastards. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roof. Hello, sir. How deep? How you doing, brother I'm man? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Hey, did you see that thing on KNBC from the LA Marathon? Uh, no. Well, I don't know. What is it? Uh, it is where uh, it is where Tony Rivas is calling the uh, calling the LA Marathon, and he says this really awkward phrase. That is so sort of uncomfortable that it is then followed by an even longer, more awkward pause as none of his fellow broadcasters respond to it. Would, <laughs> would you like to hear it? Yeah. All right. This is from the L.A. Marathon, which happened which, a couple days ago? Yeah. Sorry. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold so I can make sure that you hear this clearly, and then I'll bring you back on. This is – it starts off with another guy, and then about 15 seconds in, Tony Rivas takes over, and he makes a statement that really kind of comes out of left field, and – then there is the longest, most awkward pause before he realizes no one will respond to it and he just starts talking again. Um, the only thing you need to know about this clip is the television, the visual that went along with this is the camera has zoomed in on the guy in the lead. And he's a white guy in the lead. There's no one else visible because he's way out front. So here we go. I'll play this for you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the yelling. Uh, Dimitri probably has at least 200, 300 meters and he's rolling along. And he was a late entry to the race. He came in late. Uh, we know he's run 64 minutes for the half marathon, but he's looking very good. Well, Ed, is it one of these matters where the, the Kenyans and Ethiopians, they see, uh, let's, let's, let's be honest here, see a white guy out front, they don't take him seriously. Well, here's a look at that breakaway. And so far up as Ed was talking about, it's not really gunning it hard. So, there you go. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. Oh, man. The best part is when you watch it on TV, though, and they're just tracking the guy running, and there's just, and you literally at one point hear crickets in the background. Have you, uh, has anybody called for his ouster yet? No, I don't, I don't believe so. I, uh, it was, it's because they want him around for future comedy. Oh, my. Uh, so there you go. It's always, it's always fun. Um, <sighs> okay. How's life, brother? How are things? Life's good. Hey, uh, uh, I don't have to go to Las Vegas in April. I was just going to say, here's another reason I'm glad you're on. Not just because you're you, uh, but because I want you to talk about Vegas for a second. We're joined here by Aaron Geek in the City Duran, who is our film critic and comment, uh, commentator on geek culture. Uh, so we're doing, it's kind of a couple's thing. Me and my wife and Aaron and his wife, uh, we're going to be going to Vegas in, uh, what, 10 days? I think so. 14 days? Yeah, two, like two weeks from today? Two weeks, I think. Two weeks yeah. from today. So we're going to be spending a few days in Vegas, the four of us. Now, here's the thing. Aaron... Believe it or not, he's an American, if you can believe this, and yet he has never been to Las Vegas. So, so you're the one. Yeah, so yeah no, me. I know, it's me. So here's the thing. So here's what we're going to do later on in the hour, but you can sort of help lead off. A, he's uh, a guy going to Vegas for the first time. Uh, what should he definitely do or see in Vegas, and what should he skip or not do? 
Wow. Um, you got to see some. <laughs> You're going to say strip clubs. Well, you know. well, that's hard to talk. <laughs> see, I believe there's some in... real good ones too. Spearmint you know? Rhino. Those are the words I have for you today. There, there are some real good ones. Uh, the, the, they have clubs unlike any you've ever seen. Mm. Um, are these full Monty clubs? Because we do live in Oregon. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Then. Yeah. This is Vegas you're talking about. Oh well, hey man, I'm sorry. All right. What else ought he do while he's in Vegas? Oh, I mean, it could be anything. Could be a could be a buffet he needs to try. Could be like what a, are you saying? a small. I'm just saying. Well, well you know what? They don't have the they don't have those great you know five dollar buffets anymore. Really? Is that true? It's been a few years since I've been there. Yeah, they they don't. I mean, everything is everything is pricey now. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't waste my money on any of those shows really, because they're gonna it costs you an arm and a leg, and then you got to tip the the maitre d to get you a decent seat. There's a two drink minimum, which that's not a problem. But the, they bring you both drinks at one time. So here's well here's here's something maybe help you out. I'm I'm a huge Dean Martin fan. So knowing that, like where where in Vegas should I hit yeah, up? Yeah, is there is there? A, I mean, is there like it's amazing. Yeah, Danny Gans does a great job. Danny Gans, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, big teeth. It, yeah. it amazes me that there's no Rat Pack Museum in Las Vegas. Well, there, there kind of is. There kind of is. It's a it's 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 across from the convention center. Not that it's a museum, but they have a Rat Pack kind of thing there. And I can't remember the name of the hotel. It's not a. It's not a big one, but it's on Convention Center Drive right. near the Marriott, across from the Convention Center. Uh, as you, it's in between um, Paradise Road and uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, along Convention. Uh, and they have uh, you know the, the the five guys, you know the Peter Laurie, the Peter Laurie guy, not Peter Laurie. Peter Laurie, Peter Lawford. Peter Lawford guy and. and uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and, and all that. I wonder if the Peter Lawford guy drew a short straw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if he lost, if he lost the face-off, he lost the uh, he lost the contest, and that's why he gets stuck with that. There's also a pretty cool um, haunted Vegas tour. <gasps> Ooh! Now you know, what, what is that? that? Where they take you around to to all the places you know where. Uh, guys have been murdered and and all, all of right, that. See, that's pretty stuff. cool. Oh, I'd be totally down right. for that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Right. You can find that right around the same area. Is Bugsy Siegel buried in Vegas? Oh, I don't know. I would imagine so. Didn't he pretty much find the place? Yeah, yeah no, he, he did. And in fact, we're going to be staying at the El Cortez, or at least Alar and I are. Oh, beautiful baby. See, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, You're which, doing it right. No, You're doing it right, my man. <laughs> See, the El Cortez, it doesn't get enough respect. And so, you know, that was actually run by Meyer Lansky and Bugsy Siegel. There you go. So, fan, it's the currently the oldest currently operating casino in Vegas. The the, the best payoffs I've I've been around. Uh, at the major hotels was the MGM Grand. You're, th- you're talking in terms of like slot payoff. Like, uh, slot payoff. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was seeing. I thing- don't play the slots though. I'm a I'm a blackjack man. Well, okay. The, well, you know the El Cortez is your place then. Yeah, the El Cortez, dice. home of the three dollar blackjack table. Really? So, oh, dude, the El Cortez is like it's great, but it's awful. Oh, I'm. So I mean, mad. just cigarette burns in the floor. And but just... it's Vegas, man. Oh, it's great. It's it's wonderful. It really is. And you know what? We're big fans of old Vegas too. My wife and I, anyway. So. Oh man, the carpet is just. I mean, it's, it's, it's ratty. It's one of those classic. Things where they put this god awful carpet on there, so you don't look down. Yeah. So you look up, <laughs> totally. you know, and you're seeing all the all the slot machines and the crap tables and stuff. Well, and you, it's a little known fact. Here's the thing: maybe people don't know about Vegas in terms of aesthetics. 
the carpet is always really, really busy, and the ceiling is completely blank and bland. And they design it that way so that you look straight ahead. Right. They don't want you looking at the ceiling or the carpet. That's why in almost all casinos, the carpet is busy and the ceiling is blank, so your eyes split the difference and you keep it slot machine level. And and to get anywhere, you have to cross through the casino. Oh, no, all roads. I remember the first time I went to Caesar's Palace. And, you know, any place you want to go in Caesar's Palace, you must walk through the casino room, and especially the slot room. Yeah. I mean, that is the, yeah, all roads lead through that. So, uh, The Imperial Palace has one of the best uh, sit-down dinners. The Imperial Palace is another great old hotel. I've stayed there yeah. really? when I've been to Vegas, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, they, they, got great, they got great food there. Um, so real quickly, actually, you touched back on this. So you're not going to have to go there. So you you are. So what I is the deal with the, September now? So what is so what uh, are, so what happens in September? The trial begins. Okay, so the, the, the judge trial. didn't want to, but the prosecution took them a long time to get to go through all the evidence because they had to to enhance the photo, the 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 video. They had to to enhance the audio so they can really examine the evidence, and they just sort of got it to the defense. Plus, the prosecution submitted the revised. Uh, expert witness list just today. So the defense says, you've got to give us some time, Judge. Right. And the judge just last week said, we're going in April. Right. So, but today she said, all right, you're right. But then she said, don't even think about coming to me in September for another delay. Shame on you if you do. Right. I love this lady. Excellent. So, uh, so it will start in September. So you are, so you are, you are, because I knew you were not looking forward to being incarcerated in that city. No, because so. it would take, it's going into the summer, man. I don't want to have to go there in the summertime. <laughs> of course, like it's five, hot and miserable five million and, degrees. Oh, yeah. So September, it's still going to be hot, but hey, you know, I, I'd much rather have it there. Vegas I'd much rather heat, have it in the fall. Vegas heat is not like normal earth heat. I remember the first time I went to Vegas, I, I flew there from Salt Lake where it was like 14 degrees and covered in ice. And so I'd never been to Vegas. I didn't know. And so I got my winter coat on and my scarf and gloves. And I'm getting, getting ready. We're landing in Las Vegas. And I'm, like, gloving up. And I'm, like, putting on my whole, you know, all right, I'm, I'm ready for the – and then I walk in. It's, like, 119 degrees on the tarmac. Oh, God. I, I walk in. You know, it's first, so, so first time I hot. went. Yeah. The first time I went, it was July. <laughs> 19, 1980, I think it was. Yeah. And I stepped out of the Sahara back when you could actually see the Sahara Hotel. Now it's covered with all this facade and crap. Yeah. But I looked down and I saw, all oh, Circus Circus. I'm going to walk down to Circus Circus. <laughs> because it looks so close. Because it looks like it's right there. It's because the sign's so freaking big. <laughs> My wife and I did that. My wife and I tried to walk from this trip to the Elvis Arama Just five Museum. Minutes away. The Elvis Arama Museum. You totally, and it looks, you, it looks like you could reach out and touch it. Yeah. And it's like, 14 miles away, <laughs> and it's the hottest day of the year. Oh, yeah, god damn. All right. Uh, big plans for your weekend, brother? Uh, actually, no. Actually, <laughs> no, 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 no. I have no plans. You just, now, that I, now that I think about it, you I know, have nothing to do. But you know what? That's good. That is good, sir, because your life is oftentimes more hectic than that of mere mortals. Yeah, but hell, man, I, I got to... I gotta come up with something, or my wife will give me stuff to do. Oh, dude, yeah, you don't want to. No, don't let her know you have slack time. Always say that you have a big project in the garage, and then just go hide. There you are. All right, thank you, brother. Enjoy That's your why weekend. I love you, man. All right, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, sir. There you go, James Roop in Los Angeles. I kind of want to see the Circus Circus just to see if that carousel from Fear and Loathing is still there. Probably Circus. Have you been to Circus Circus? I've walked through it. Hell on earth, filled with children. <gasps> oh, oh yeah, yes, but... <laughs> I have been there, and it was terrible. Yeah, I couldn't. I think it was. Start, I had a minor panic attack and had to leave. Hey, Bridgie, do me a favor. I know that you just came downstairs from talking to Bridget. Can you? I hate to do this, Richie. Can you get me the copy points for Into the Wild? Uh, I just want to make sure that I give the copy points correctly. 
when we do this. So uh, we're going to try to give away a copy of Into the Wild on DVD, but I want to make sure they do the copy points. Bridget has them, I think, if you can just get them. Let's do a couple of these, and then somebody has a and d question for Aaron. Uh, hello, hi, who's this? Frank. Is it Frank? Frank, for, yeah. what, for what are you calling right now? Are you calling for the Into the Wild thing? Sure, why not? All right, now, I can pick a number for you from 1 to 20, or you can pick a number. Oh, you pick it. All right, hold on. Let's see, where are my Dice of Destiny? Didn't, yeah, didn't I send you new Dice of Destiny I sounders? You, I think you might have. Hold on, let's see if I have the Dice of Destiny here. Um, I may not. I may not have had... So I used to play D&D a long time ago. Uh, I may not have my Dice of Destiny anymore. I may have to bring them in again. Uh-oh. Well, uh, why don't you just roll the dice? Yeah, no, I'm just... Yeah, I'm going to look in one more place here. Dice of Destiny? What's Aaron's character's name? Does he still play? Does he still play? <laughs> Do I still play? What's your character's name? Um, I'm kind of in between games right now. I see. Okay. It's not like another superstitious thing where you don't want to say it on the air. Oh, no. I don't care. All right. What was your last character's name? Slorgard? No. I don't remember. You do remember. No, I really don't. What? I remember my first character's name. I remember my first character's name because I based it off a DC character. My first character's name actually was Nightwing. Okay. Uh, uh, I really was bad, man. Get off my back. <laughs> All right. Easy, easy. All right. Oh, so, hey. Rick, hey, Rick missed the boat with Pat Oswald. Are we? Are we? Yeah. Are Did we doing a little Pat uh, Oswald again? Are we doing a little drinking well, today? No. Are you sure? I just got off work. All right. Just, I'm the one that, that works to the. I'm the guy that works to the Wico. We build the airplane stuff. Remember? All right. There's no need to be defensive, sir. All right, Aaron. No. What? no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What number shall we pick for Mister Mister Friendly, Aaron? Uh. Thirteen. They're friendly. All right. <laughs> he's, he's all sullen about it. Wait, do people have to get the number on that die? Yeah. You know what the odds are of getting the one you... One in 20? 20. No. <laughs> it's more than that. Is it? Yeah. Well, obviously, because there's a randomness, but... Yeah. All right, hold on. So are you saying if you rolled that 20 times, you'd get 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 11, 12, 13, 14? No. No. You know, all of this is eating up time in which I could be trying to give away one of these DVDs. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> Twelve. So close. What did you say, 13? Yeah. No, so close, sir. Sorry. 13. <laughs> you <Bye>. weak. <laughs> Bye. 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 Uh, you hang up. <laughs> no, you, no, you hang up. But anyway, Patton Oswalt plays D&D, too. I know. Is that true? Yeah, he does. During the Rockathon for Kids, I tried to win a Patton Oswalt signed Dungeon Masters guy, but I couldn't bid high enough. All right. Hang up, sir. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, he sounds so uh, sad excellent. and drunk. He sounds so angry. So he works on planes. Yeah, that, that explains your story yesterday about Southwest Airlines. I know. I'm not looking forward to flying. Feel plane. good the next time you're on a plane. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, everybody. What's up? Um, so Aaron, yeah. I haven't actually played Dungeons and Dragons. I played some of uh, well, I played GURPS, yeah. which was kind of an alternative. Um, the generally unplayable role-playing game. <laughs> something along those lines. Um. In that system, they had a thing where if you rolled like a three or a four, it was a critical failure. If you rolled an 18, it was a critical success. Does Dungeons and Dragons have the same thing? Well, but in GURPS, you have to use D6s. You don't use D20s, right? Unless right. they've changed it. Right. You, you roll three D6s. Yeah, in D&D, if you roll a natural 20, then it's a critical hit. If you roll a one, then it's a colossal fail. That's, so, that's pretty much it. So, Rick, are you going to do the same thing in the, the contest? Like, if you roll... Oh, my God. Was I supposed to be listening this whole time? Yeah. <laughs> you mean, like, if he rolls a 20, he gets the prize and, like, a kiss action figure or something? Did anybody try to do on the guy... Is guy Gax? Gary Guy Gax. Guy Edward Gary Guy Gax. Did anybody try to do the whole, um, his saving throw failed? Yeah, there's, you know, a lot, there's, yeah, there's been a lot of, of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. But they always ended with, like, he's, but he's in heaven now. No uh, one fails their saving throws. <laughs> he's, uh... 
Uh, let's see. Well, you know, I'll let Aaron figure out how we how we try this the next time around. So, all right. Thank you, sir. Uh, yep. Yeah, all right. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Are you calling about Into the Wild? Sure. All right. <laughs> Aaron, how shall I do the dice this time? Then? I have Tell no me. idea. Well, look, we got 20 numbers. Do you want to say odds, evens? There you, what, the, will it, what will it take for him to win? Well, you'll have better odds if you do the odds or evens thing, yeah. Okay, well, you pick. Odds. All right. Okay, we're going to roll, sir, on this 20-sided die from Aaron. Odd uh, gives you Into the Wild, based on the best-selling book with screenplay and direction by Sean Penn, starring Emile Hirschland and an all-star cast in his captivating travelogue of a man who leaves everything behind to seek adventure in the Alaskan wilderness, available on DVD and HD DVD, March 4th from Paramount Vantage. And then die. Wow. All right. Uh, Alaska. All right, here we go. Wow. Is it drinking time for everybody? See, to, to do this yeah, I've been at work. I've been at work since 3 a.m., man. All right. What do you do, sir? I work at Trader Joe's. All right. All right. Here we go, sir. Odds get you the win. Sweet. What is that? That's 17? an odd. Yes. 17. Congratulations, Yay. sir. You've won Into the Wild. Sweet. All right. I'm going to put you I, on, put you on I, hold. I, 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 hold on one second. Yeah. I also wanted to let you know yeah. that a friend of mine had his fiance fall off the 11-story balcony of the Imperial Palace while she was on the phone with him. Is she what? still his fiance? No, she's dead. Oh. The end. It's the Imperial Palace. I mean... I know. I remember how tall it was, but I was hoping that maybe she fell into the pool. But I was hoping there was a miraculous... I know. The way he and, was pitching is like... And Adam... last week they celebrated their 15th anniversary. She must have rolled a one. It was a colossal <laughs> failure. <laughs> Someone failed their reflex save. Oh, wow. I'm Good times. Come gonna, on, that's funny. Oh, that was she drunk? I'm not drunk. She's dead. <laughs> was, Damn. was she just clumsy or was she drunk? What was going on there? She was sitting on the on the railing and she saw uh, like a, she goes, she, last thing she said to him was, ooh, fr- ooh, Ferrari. And so she must have been trying to look at the car and bailed off the balcony. You sure it wasn't ooh, Ferrari? <laughs> oh, we're all going right to hell. I'm not. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Richie will get the... Uh, hold on. I am filled with shame. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Dude, I love your audience. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to laugh. I know. In my not, mind, she's wearing her wedding dress, and it like billows you up, but doesn't slow her down enough. Person. That's Aaron saying that. That's Aaron said the thing oh, about the dress. Bad's gonna happen to you in Vegas if you get that. The guy, cu- the, we t- we peaked with the guy saying rolled the one. <sighs> We're breaking now. <laughs> Jesus, you gotta open the present I got you. Boots of escaping from a rooftop. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, you brought me a present. Featherfall, featherfall. Stop. All right. Uh, here's what's still to come. Tim Riley, uh, Court and Fatboy will join us, uh, talk about the uh, Midnight Movie, and uh, when we get back, we'll talk to Storm Large as well. Stay there, it's the... Are we not going to open the present? Rick Emerson program. Oh, did Aaron bring me a gift? Yeah. Why is this in a Victoria's Secret box? He got you some lingerie. Because that was the actually the box that held it the best. All right. Opening this uh, and I like Victoria's... Tape, so. so is this just sitting around your house? Yes. I didn't need to know that. Yeah, what? don't ask that. Though. Why did you ask? Yeah. I, I knew the answer. Ooh, dude. It is a it's a it's a vintage. Did you know what this was? Yeah. It's a vintage Life magazine with Nikita Khrushchev on the front. December second, nineteen fifty-seven. I think. Oh, it's got that. It's now got hold that on. Great you know, magazine. Open uh, yeah, the page twenty-four. Page twenty-four. It's got that great ma- old magazine smell. You know what I'm talking about? Plus, you love it for the ads. It smells like my grandmother's basement. Uh, page twenty. What? Twenty-four. 
my God. The first article ever written this about... This is the Ed Gein issue. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Neighbors recall Gein's talk of women murder and embalming. Look at that picture of him. Dude, this is the best thing I've ever got. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yay. Okay. That's a short article. Dude, yeah. thank you so much. Thank yeah, you're welcome. That. <laughs> that is the best gift I think you should I've hug him ever. Right? Uh, we'll hug again later. What was so cool is we'll it's that store again. downtown that has all the old magazines. Yeah. It was so great. I went in there. I said, hey, where's your back issues of life? And she says, well, we keep them in the back. She says, I said, uh, she's like, what year do you need? And I said, December 2nd, 1957. She looked at me and said, Ed Gein. <laughs> Oh, I just dumped something by mistake. Sorry. Back after this. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, presidential hopeful Ron Paul seems to be realizing he's not going to win the Republican nomination. He posted a message on his website for those stopping by. Though victory in the conventional political sense is not available in the presidential race, many victories have been achieved due to your hard work and enthusiasm. Keep on fighting, says Ron. The presidential campaign will soon wind down. Uh huh. But we do still encourage all effort to gain the maximum number of votes and delegates in all the remaining primaries and to continue the caucus process that's ongoing in the other states. I wonder if Ron Paul finds American women to be egotistic and materialistic. That could be. All right. Hutchinson, Kansas man, is on trial this week on charges he put his girlfriend's two-year-old daughter and three-year-old son in a hot clothes dryer. He told detectives he put them in to show them they could have a good time without having very much money. So not even his punishment, but his fun. Where? Hutchinson, Kansas. God's country. All right. That's it for now. You'll be back, though, later, won't oh, you? Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, resplendent now also in his visa. Oh, Richie, could you come and take a <laughs> You should show uh, Tim that magazine, because it's got... Oh, yeah, Tim, did you see this? The article's cool. It's about the what, faces of check evil. Check this out. Look at what Aaron uh, got me. It's a Life magazine from 1952. You yeah. Uh, Richie, can you get a picture of Tim and Sarah? That'd be fantastic. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson show our good friend Storm Large. Hello, Storm. Hi, how are you? I am I'm covered in about 500 pounds of paper bacon lays. That's what I heard. That's yeah. very, is that some kind of new birthday thing, the bacon thing? Well, I'm just a pork enthusiast, frankly, and uh, so, uh, you know, nothing nothing says I love you like thin meat products. That's true. Yeah. That's true. What's up Pigs with... are as adorable as they are delicious. What's up with you, sister? Where are you? you how long have you been back? Oh, God, I've been back about... Nine days, but I got waylaid with some ghastly, awful lung infection flu that I really thought I I was going to put a hit on myself, have someone just end it. Right. It was awful. Yeah, that was going around here. There was like some weird Romulan death flu that was just, I mean, I, I missed a day, and I had like half the upstairs here. People were just like out for three or four days, like with their insides liquefied. It was no good. Oh, it's terrible. It was the flu that like kills Babies and old people, and that was a lot of fun. Indeed, so. I Welcome saw Storm yesterday. Home. So, how, oh, that's right, you guys went to the Bridgetown uh, yeah, comedy. Yeah, she has thing. a fabulous new hairstyle and really? color too. It's brown. Really? Really? Yeah, I'm, really? All, I'm all brunette. Wait, now. you're a brunette now, Storm? Yeah. Seriously, it's beautiful. Was you that look, now? You was it, really gorgeous? For, for any reason in particular, or just just cause? Just cause? Just I was just kind of like you know I, I I finished cabaret and my hair had been stuck up for a goofy wig for about six months, so I was like, well, I want to do. So. Excellent. 
just kind of went off, did did my own thing, and Fantastic. it's like you know, baby gets to see a kind of a, have a new girlfriend sort of. Is, is it, are, you, are you going to pretend to be the uh, Are you going to pretend to be the bad sister in town that he's cheating with? <laughs> Don't tell Storm. <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe that's just in my head. Let's all forget. No, I... no, that's in his head too. I'm sure. <laughs> as much Excellent. as I know, as much as he loves me, is there's always that angle of loving the idea of some strange in every man's heart. Well, that is. Uh, it just it comes with the uh, comes with the penis, just like uh, Patrick yeah. Swayze and beef jerky. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, guys? I get it. Okay, okay guys. Yeah. No, not I want to cheat with Patrick Swayze. Well, no, I thought you meant that Patrick Swayze comes with beef jerky. No. And he probably hasn't put much of a fight now. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Eddie, rolling right along. Um, I heard you guys talk about Patton Oswalt. I actually have to interview him tomorrow on camera. Very cool. Um, but I'm, I'm an idiot, and I, I've, I've never, I don't think I've seen his work. Um, here's the thing. I myself was unfamiliar with him until a while back because he actually, they, I've, I've, I've always talked about this a few times, they, they, they pitched him to us as a guest, and I passed because I didn't really know who he was. And then it was literally like three days later that my friend Nate was like, hey, you got to check out Patton Oswalt. He's this great comedian. And this guy Nate Baker, and he gave me the, he gave me his CDs, and he was hilarious. Um, he is very literate, but at the same time has a very... His delivery is reminiscent of sort of Sam Kinison, very, you know, kind of a, aggressive, and he shouts a lot, but he's very literate and does a lot of really obscure, uh, and he, he knows how to put together a funny nonsense phrase. He knows what words are funny. And then he was the voice of Remy yeah. in Ratatouille, the Pixar film. The Which one was, who was Remy in the, in the, the lead the character, lead rat, the lead rat who had the gourmet sense of taste, who does all the cooking. Oh, um, that was Sam? Yeah. He was, How stupid am I? I thought that was David Schwimmer this whole time. No, he was the lead. Be sure to mention that to him. Uh, I will. The, I'll be sure to say that. Yeah, he no, the, you were in a movie with David Schwimmer. <laughs> were you David Schwimmer's sidekick? Um, yeah, he was the lead role, the lead rat in Ratatouille. Oh, wow. And uh, I and I don't and he was on King of Queens. Was he was he in not? King of Queens. He's a big gamer. And Storm, if you get a chance, can you uh, can you tell him something for me? Is it gonna be weird and Dungeons and Dragons being weird? No, it's actually something he did. It's a, it's he wrote a comic book about a year and a half ago. Oh. And I want to thank him for being the only writer ever to set a comic book to start in St. John's. Is that true? It's a Justice League book he wrote, and the aliens invade St. John's. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. See now you now you have more material to work with than you ever expected. Thank Storm. you. So wait, so he's from this area? I don't. I don't no. think he is. No, I think he's from uh, some uh, hellhole town on the East Coast because he's actually talked. He's done some bits about growing up in a small town and, and about how he has to thank a small town for motivating him to go out and be more than he was. Because, you know, he's like, if you grow up in a small town, you have only two choices. Stay there and become a moron or go out and try to make something yourself. yourself so Exactly. I mean, we got, we've got Rick and myself to show for that and Sarah. I mean, Aaron, where are you from? Susanville, this dirt hole town in Northern California. See? It's there a prison town, I think. Two prisons and a Walmart. So when, look at you now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so when in doubt, just pull. Just take a, a lesson from the Rick Emerson interview book. When in doubt, go to Wikipedia and pretend that those are your own thoughts and observations. <laughs> it says here that you're a cutting-edge comedian with a firm grasp on the cultural zeitgeist, Patton. Oh, God. So. Like, start the interview by... by um... Reminding him that he got me pregnant a couple years ago. That he probably doesn't remember. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Just to break the ice. Excellent. Is it always a... works. Where can I see this? <laughs> I don't know. They're gonna um, because this is the first Bridgetown Festival 
um, they want to try and um, and they got some actually really good talent to come up and uh, and do it. They want to make it an annual thing, so they want a better website and and more exciting little snippets for them and cool. and maybe go on Comedy Central or something like that just to promote a comedy festival here in Portland. Well, let so. me know when when you you know when you find out where we'll, we'll be able to see that and everything. So and you got to come by and uh, come by and see us one of these days. I'm no longer infected. <laughs> I will be happy to come and. But don't oh, It sounds like you're getting all kind of, all kind of manhandled over there, Rick. Yeah, it's uh, and the day's not over. Apparently, there's something waiting for me at three, so I can't wait. Oh yeah. I hope is. nobody sings to you, man. Well, you, we'll see. They know you hate that, right? They do, but. Sometimes what I hate and what I want don't really enter to the equation. But <laughs> all right, uh, we got to run. Storm, uh, good luck uh, with Patton. Congratulations on Scrubs. It's a cool interview. And let us uh, stop. Let us know when you want to stop in. Absolutely, I will. Take care. Uh, all right, thank you, you, Storm. Thanks, Storm. Bye. Uh, Storm now a sexy brunette. All right, fantastic. I thought you'd be a fan of that. Yeah. Hey, fat boy. Hey, Richie, if Fat Boy's lurking around out there, do you want to have him and uh, Court head on in here? We'll take a break. We'll come back, talk about the Midnight Movie, which is coming up. And then somebody else has a question for Aaron Duran around the corner. Booyah. There you go. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. birthday ever. All right, in the hallway, somebody just, I got 10 more hugs. Marconi hugged me. <laughs> somebody gave me a muffin. I got a pound of bacon. Yeah. And a bunch of Bob Ritter CDs. You had a pound of bacon. Gifts oh. from formats past, by the way. A Rockstar Energy drink. A Rockstar Energy drink, a stapler, the Black Plague. A Rockstar Energy. You know someone just pulled that out of the fridge in the break room. By someone, you mean Dennis. <laughs> oh. Um, all right. Uh, the bacon lays are really cool. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, a Fat Boy from Court and Fat Boy. Courtandfatboy uh, com. Go there, download the podcast. Do it now. Thank you. Do it, or I'll come to your house. Uh, <laughs> Murder by bacon. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing semi all right. All right. Pimp away. Oh yes. Uh, tonight, Baghdad Theater, 11 p.m. I'd suggest you show up at around 9:30, 10 p.m. Because we are showing the Princess Bride on booyah. the big screen. Fantastic. Yes. I just said booyah. <laughs> Damn, I suck. Damn you. <laughs> the Princess Bride, which is one of the finest films ever made. Would you say, let me put it out there, a perfect film? Flawless? Yes. What what do you not flawless? Yeah. It's clo it's close. It's really 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 close. Now, the thing with I mean, we all agree it's a great film. But yeah. uh, the thing about perfect films is and it feels weird to say perfect film because your film can be perfect in setting out to do exactly what it wants to do and right. still not be as good as a flawed, imperfect film okay. that manages to go above and beyond. I think The Princess Bride is really 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 close to achieving what exactly keeps it what it from wants. being perfect. Uh Fred Savage. Okay. Is it that it's dated because of no, the beginning? I don't think, I don't think it's or dated. Or is it just Fred Savage? I will say this. Um, the score. The score is also Mark Knopfler. The score is bad. Not I, even so that's not Mark true. Knopfler. I disagree. I like the Mark Knopfler stuff. No, Mark Knopfler is fine because he's playing an actual instrument. I'm yeah. talking about all the other Casio is, keyboard is it crap. <laughs> it is, it is yeah. way It's been a few years synthy. since I've seen it. It is awfully synthy. Like, they didn't even spring for, like, maybe one cello player or any right. semblance of real strings. So that's the only real... But you I know mean, what? The music is still good. It, but you know what? As somebody once said, it's like a mole on the shoulder of a beautiful woman. Exactly. Still a great film. Exactly. So, and boy, Robin Wright Penn just never looked hotter in her life. Mm. And I mean, hotter in just the greatest, cutest storybook way. You know, and neither did Carrie Elwood. And I mean, and re don't do that. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, um, and, and then Andre the Giant. I mean, and then everything. I was just saying, and plus this, and plus that. And yeah, plus, I mean, it's, yeah. it's great. You know, mm -hmm. and it is weird to think 
I was in my, it was late at night, and I started sounding like a stone college student a couple years ago. We were talking to Princess Bride, and I was talking, I was watching Under the Giant uh, biography. Yeah. And I was telling my wife how they've, they've now been able to cure that thing he had. The, uh, I forget what it was Whatever called. it is, but like a gland that wouldn't yeah. turn off. And I know that they can cure that now, so that is the end of an era, because it was weird to think, and a little cool and weird to think that there was a time when we actually, when giants walked the earth. Yeah. We lived with giants, because they don't, that doesn't happen anymore, because they, like I said, they've they managed to cure it. So it is weird to think that there was a time when there were giants among mm -hmm. us. And, you know, he was right there in, you know, on film. So. Yeah, and the screen big enough to hold Colin, his, his yeah. majesty. Yeah. His and Mandy Patinkins, who was a cinematic badass in this oh, film. Man. Oh, that's and the, has a great voice. We started, that was our opening show clip today yeah. for you guys. Was nice. The, uh, mm -hmm. Thank you for that, man. Yeah. Thank you. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, let's get a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Uh, hi, um, I'm calling to ask Aaron. Behold, me, behold my shock. Yes. <laughs> how do you how do you get a hold of a good like gaming group? Because I'm I'm kind of young, so a lot of groups won't accept me because it's just like oh well you weren't around when you know AD and D was making its first appearance, therefore you must okay. be inferior. Well, first screw all those people that talk to you that way because they're tools. And <laughs> the best place to go, can I mention the store? Okay. If you go to uh, Guardian Games, which is on 303 Southeast 3rd, or check out GuardianGamesPDX.com, they are really good at introducing players to new groups, and they also have, like, beginner's nights. They have women's only nights. They have adult game night where they have beer and pizza. So check them out. That's actually where I got the D20. I actually used to I, I used to go to Guardian Games back up. And stop, stuff. Stuff. So, yeah, right. anyway, yeah, the, the weather tried to blow down the original store. They've got a brand new one, so check them out. All right, yeah. Guardian Games. Thank you, sir. All right, final call of the day. Don't suck. Uh, this is for Fat Boy. Uh, so if you, if you can't hear, hi. Uh, what, what do you got, sir? Uh, hey, man. Uh, I just wanted to give Fat Boy a little bit of grief for trying to say that Princess Bride isn't perfect. Well, it's not quite perfect. That score is not quite perfect. It sounds like it was made with a Casio, and Fred Savage kind of sucks. <laughs> well, yeah. Seriously, nobody liked Fred Savage back then. He was just like the quote unquote cute kid, but. I mean, and also, like, look at all the soundtracks from all the other movies made back in that, back in that time. Back I mean, in that, like, 87? Like, what, uh, Aliens? Yeah. Well, oh, no, uh, gotta go. I got you, man. I, thank you, sir. I also didn't know that there was Let's like, all get along. overriding <laughs> Fred Savage hate. All right. Gordon Fatboy tonight, 7 to midnight, uh, broadcasting live mm -hmm. from the Baghdad. Go see the midnight movie at 11 o'clock. Aaron Duran, geekofthecity.com, filmfeverradio.com. Yeah, the new show is up. We want to thank uh, Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, also James Roop, also Stu McMillan from South Sea Connections, um, and everybody who gave me any birthday thanks, grief, presents, lay, whatever. Thank you all, and hugs, especially hugs. Susan, Cheryl, Bridget, and everybody who works here. Best staff ever. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the Sarah X. Dylan, Tim Riley, uh, Richie Bristol, Dave Zinn, everybody. Have a good weekend. Like us next. See you on a Monday. Bye. I'm huge. Mamma mia, what happened to my penis?